everyone. Welcome back to the Side Hit Podcast. I'm your host, Fat Tony, and today with us we have Jay Smith. Welcome, Jay. How are you, mate? Good, bro. How are you going? Good, thanks. Thank you very much for having me along. Oh, it's good to have you on. How's your day? Uh, I was in Queenstown today. It was good. I went and saw Amy and the Quest crew, NZ Shred and Bordertown, did the rounds. And uh, it uh, appears you've come here to the Side Hit Podcast studio. I'll use that word very loosely. Um, bearing gifts. Mate, what? there's a studio. I've got a little... <laughs> The sunset and looking over <laughs> Mount Roy doesn't get much better. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, don't turn up to a party empty-handed, right? So I've got you, us, some ginger beers, because I know you don't drink, mate, and some scorched almonds. I wanted to... I just love what you're doing here and appreciate it. Thank you very much. So I thought um, either my episode or another, it doesn't really matter, but you could give away... Uh, Burton, I'm do, see, I'm doing my job here. Yeah. But, uh, but a Burton, um, I've got a Anon beanie, a Burton t-shirt, and some top of the line Anon M4s. And I figured you could do a little, uh, maybe try get some traction on your Instagram or something, you know, like a tag a mate kind of deal. Oh, so or we'll have a uh, Burton Anon giveaway. Ah, there's no important. no stress if they, you know, we've had a lot of Burton. You've had a lot of Burton people and community through the studio anyway so mm. we appreciate it and doesn't get much better than that guy ulti one the other week and now you've got me along to follow up some of his uh stories but um set, set the record straight on a couple of things yeah but we uh anyway <laughs> i like what you're doing so just wanted to uh offer a gift oh man well thank you uh santa claus came early to the side podcast this year well jay we'll kick this one off um where are you from and how'd you get into snowboarding yeah, I'm from the West Coast, a little town called Greymouth. I've kind of lived all over, so not heaps of people know that. But yeah, I'm from a tiny, tiny town. And um, how did I get into snowboarding? Just through friends, really. Through, yeah, friends in Christchurch. Skate, oh, yeah. Skateboarding, then snowboarding. It's uh, like an honour to be invited along because I was thinking about it today and I was like, um, I'm not a pro... I'm uh, not very nostalgic. My historian <laughs> knowledge is really, really bad. And um, also, I uh, have a terrible memory. So <laughs> I don't know how this episode's going to go. <laughs> it might, you might have to do a lot of editing, all right? Mm. <clears throat> so were you sort of bouncing back and forth from Greymouth to Christchurch, that sort of thing? Uh, a little bit. No, I, I kind of got out of there as quick as I could. I left oh, yeah. and I was... Straight out of school, I went to Polytech in Christchurch, and pretty much it was my first, like the, my first full day in Christchurch. I went into Cheapskates and uh, got sold a skateboard from Stacey, it was either Stacey Laplan or James Scott, and uh, the rest was history. I kind of owe everything skateboarding. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was it like growing up on the West Coast then? Yeah, it was. As, as a teenager, it was, it was hectic. It was awesome. It's probably. Uh, I probably owe a bit of that to like perhaps like how I am now for sure because it was fairly um fairly loose. I could kind of do whatever I wanted and for fun me and all my mates would do um <clears throat> you know pretty loose activities like I, I don't know you name it well, like when we were young it was just like playing in the bush and that a lot and then when we were older it definitely turned into like surfing and kind of Getting up to no good, and uh, yeah, it was kind of like the Wild West. The Wild West? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sweet. And so you were surf- you surfed before everything then? 
Oh, actually, no, I, I rode a lid. I was a bodyboarder. Right. In fact, that was like the first game changer because um, that was the first crew of like, I don't know what you want to call them. They're, we were just all grommets, but I guess looking back, we were kind of like action sports people because at, at that stage, you know, this is over 20 years ago, right? So that stage, most of the people at my school were like 40 heads and cricket dudes, and it was like kind of definitely not my jam so when i found this motley crew of bodyboarders and we rode fairly what i thought at least pretty scary waves on the west coast um you know so we all kind of egged each other on and and lived at the beach and that was yeah i guess before i even got into skateboarding that was my real introduction to like you know, still the community that we're around now, like action sports, and it's all based on these kind of sports that are individual and pretty, uh, can be pretty gnarly, but um, we all have really good communities built around them. So, yeah, I guess that was the introduction, but I mm. kind of, I, I thank skateboarding for myself because that's how I kind of met everyone. And <laughs> Yeah. So you pieced out from the Greymouth to Christchurch to follow Polytech. Yeah. Uh, what were you studying? Uh, architectural drafting. All right. Yeah. Oh, cool. Failed. Failed. Oh, really? Yeah. Good. Good lesson. Really good lesson. <laughs> and what was the lesson in that? Uh, yeah, there's a couple, but uh, definitely I had graded really good all through school and subjects that kind of um, gave me a pathway towards that course. I got on pretty early, and it was all really good. You know, my, we were all pretty proud, my, my family or whatever. But then um, I just didn't enjoy it. And because I didn't really do any work experience, and that's the lesson. I should have maybe had a gap year or maybe gone out and tried something similar in the workplace, like a real-life experience, and just saw how it sat with me. And that's, you know, again, that's when I turned to skateboarding. But the ironic thing is I didn't enjoy it because I looked at a skate, uh, like a computer screen all the time. Mm. That's pretty much what I do now. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so how did skateboarding what was the thing that made you go, oh, skateboarding's my shit, then? It was, honestly, it was, like, completely accidental. Like, I, oh, my God, I probably could have walked out of that shop with rollerblades. I, um, you know, was, I guess after bodyboarding on the West Coast, went to Christchurch, I was literally just looking for, like, mode of transport. That stage was just, you know, beating the feet. And um, it was a big scene in Christchurch at that point, skating, and so this is sort of the late 90s? Uh, era or? Yes, exactly. Yeah, it would have been 96. Mm. Um, yeah, it was pretty organic. I didn't seek it out, but um, pleased it found me. Nice. I mean, I remember Christchurch at that time had a really... I mean, it's still got a really good scene now, but... Yeah. I remember, <clears throat> like, um, like, where were you skating, like... Because I remember Vic Square was, it was almost like the EMB of the area. Then those dudes were fucking gnarly. They were next yeah. level. And even now, if you look at the footage and sometimes I see posts from uh, friends from that era, it's just insane. It really mm. was. Like, I, like I swear, like Greg Timms and Gus Kerwood were like the mayors of Yeah, the kind of, kind of the exact guys that come to mind. I I was, I picked up skating a little later than those guys. They were already like on a tear way ahead. Also, they were like, you know, street skaters. And whilst we, 
skated street most of the time. You know, when I started skating, parks started getting built. So I was definitely kind of, you know, skating a lot of tranny or just even pyramids and stuff, whereas those guys could just handle, like, you know, knee-high brick curbs wherever they went. Like, those guys were next mm. level. So were you sort of skating that first stage of Washington? That, yeah, exactly. Um, Three-foot wide transition? Yeah. Learned in, um, at Waltham Bowl, which seems ridiculous. <laughs> but a um, couple of years later, Washington started getting built. And, yeah, even when it was exactly what you said, that two or three-foot high concrete Y, suspend all day every day there like back then there wasn't even a ton of great minis and that around so as soon as that was built you know it just opened up like um you know tracks that we couldn't do it both and pole yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean some people could but me and my mates weren't <laughs> yeah, yeah so who were some of the heads that you were looking at at that time being like damn that's that's where i want to be or yeah i I used to, you know, it was it was different cliques. There was a lot of skaters in Christchurch and everyone had their kind of vibe and we all kind of knew each other, but you also had like your own bunch. And um, I used to like the kind of ATVs, um, you know, the guys that could do it all. So I used to look up to people like Campbell Johnson. Oh, man, yeah. 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 Um, but I was also pretty insular and pretty um, naive. I had a bunch of friends that were like kind of my level and we were all just learning together and we would just um you know we'd go to vac and watch cheats or we'd go to you know whatever wash and watch raf and then we'd see campbell doing his you know we just we picked bits and pieces from each so crew there was a lot to there's a lot, lot to pick from it was a really healthy scene mm. and i'm i haven't lived there in ages but i'm pretty sure it still is like christchurch is Got a lot of skate parks, a lot of skaters. Mm. Like it's, yeah, it's really sick. That's something that impressed me when I, I spent quite a bit of the early 2000s passing through Christchurch. Mm-hmm. And that was something that coming from Dunedin, I was impressed with where we had like Mornington and the Fairfield mini ramps and Moscow mm-hmm. and that was it. Yeah. And then it was like, no. And some of it was like from the 70s, like the Waikola or yeah. the Mexican Wy- hat yeah, yeah. thing. And, it is Waikola. But, but I still love that shit. Waikola, is it? Um, it's out in Hornby way anyway yeah (laughs) and it was rad because we go in session there then Linwood then Washington then you just have the smorgasbord of different styles of stuff to skate and shit yeah we did and we used to cruise around I had um you know two two of the main guys used to skate with came from Greymouth they're a couple years ahead of me uh Phil Glenn and Simon Harvey and um it was kind of a you know Cheesy, sounds cheesy, but it was kind of a lifestyle. We weren't like focused on being the best. We just uh, would spend all day skating around um, on these ridiculous missions, like um, trying to find longest shakes in town, trying to beat um, you know the sixty seconds at the McDonald's Big Mac challenge, so that you get a free Big Mac combo, or just like scoping out whoever Simon thought was the latest hottest um, you know bag packing chick at the supermarkets. <laughs> like. We would uh, fill up our days with a lot more than just skating, but Classic. skating Classic. was part of it. 18-year-old 18, 18 boys in the big city sort of shit. Oh, we loved it. I miss <laughs> it, actually. We would skate around the clock. We'd go, you know, then we'd go to skaters. We'd get to know the older guys and go to their parties like Dunbar, those kind of crew. That's right. Spy was living there. And we'd be skating yeah. home at like 2 in the morning. Like the whole of Christchurch is flat and smooth. Mm. We'd just skate 
everywhere all the time stealing got, loaves of bread on our way home like you got a good spy dumbbar story from back in the day for us uh and i've got like no dirt but he um he when, when i was at waltham particularly before washington he was one of the guys that would come through in between seasons and absolutely tear that place to bits him and this guy greg robart oh yeah, yeah. i mean there was like mm. good skaters as well like um this guy sean and that and um anyway i'm useless in names but anyway out of the snowboarders that come through um dunbar and greg roebuck were right. two of the best yeah <laughs> yeah i mean greg and then greg's came went on to become like snowboard photographer that's right yeah and, and there he's in canada yeah washington state i think oh he's yeah. in america yeah. sorry yeah close to the border but, so did you <laughs> Um, run across dudes like Trevor Ponting or James Allen or yeah yeah um, I knew Trev uh, reasonably well I've been to snow um, skate comps and actually met him when I was really young he's like kind of one of the first like I guess what do you call him like sponsored skaters or whatever I met I met him on a mm. bus he wouldn't remember but he had just come from like a vert comp he was telling me and my mate Tim Bromley all about it and yeah we were pretty stoked yeah um but yeah, like I say, there was like, everyone knew each other, but everyone, then people had their own kind of cliques. I knew mm. James Allen pretty good for sure. Mm. So you ended up working with him later on, right? Yeah. And he was a high ground. Any of those people. kind of ATV kind of guys, like I would, you know, a, a day skating for us really revolved around parks and mm. we would skate anything from, you know, where you were just mentioning, like the Mexican hat and the vert ramp mm. all the way through to, uh, you know, uh, curbs in the city. Mm. It wasn't really good at anything, but we would give it all a go. And yeah, it was it was just a fun time. Like, you got to understand, this is like back in the days when all you had to do to get sponsored was like be able to do a blunt fakie, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, it was. I had some pretty good hookups thanks to James Scott and Embassy and stuff, but it was really like, um, it was just so much fun then, like, um, there was people ripping for sure, but there was a lot of people just getting by like me. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of um, <clears throat> ATVs, um, Tom Pedder would have been kicking around then. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I um, Yeah, I definitely looked up to that guy. He was like, we're, we're really similar in age and it's so cool that he lives here now and we still skate together all the time. And still, he's still fucking rips, dude. He's like, the Reynolds of yeah. our crew because he's the uh yeah <laughs> sorry for listening tom but he's the old boy that can do it all yeah like, yeah he's, he's do it well yeah like. he's he's the boss so um but back mm. then he was really good like he's mm. got a pretty deep bag of tricks and he's definitely the type of skater i mean the kind of guy i used to look up to like he can skate everything mm. and um yeah, he was kind of younger, I think, in the crew that he would roll with, because he would roll with, like, Raf and all those dudes. Mm. Um, but, yeah, he's 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 actually got, like, the, my two favorite tricks on mini ramp. He can do them kind of perfectly, and that's uh, frontside flip and backside tail. Oh, uh-huh, yep. We yeah, know. just, like, those two tricks <clears throat> cleaner, like... I mean, I've seen both of those in person, and they're just everything you would expect. Yeah. Yeah. Like... And take it back to you know your snowboard podcast he's a really good snowboarder mm. yeah he's traveled a lot with it he worked at snow park and then went to france and he's um yeah no he's he's a rapper mm. and he's holding the scene down 
in Wanaka too with his Swanee magazine. Yeah, it's cool he's doing it. Well, it just goes to show how, like, ingrained he is in skating, you know, just Mm. off his own back doing a little zine. And, I mean, as if he isn't busy enough, a couple of kids, and he's a sparky, and but doing all that stuff on the side. It's so, yeah, it's pretty inspiring, actually. Yeah, yeah. It actually, yeah, I guess it is. Like, it's a good, we we need the bomb hole air horn. Because he's like, (laughs) I guess, I, I don't even know if I'd skate as much nowadays if it wasn't for him. Like, he's, yeah, yeah, he, he pushes me too, he's good. I mean, it sort of blows me away, like, I've only seen him in the last, fuck, I guess I've known him for 10 years now, which is scary, that's gone by quick, but it's like, man, if this is, if he was better than what I've seen, then holy shit, that's, that's almost terrifying. Yeah, he's a ripper. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, <clears throat> how did uh, snowboarding get in the picture from skateboarding then? Yeah, I was, you know, people listening to this me will know listening to this will laugh but yeah i was a bit of a hater at the start um but it was all my not all it was my core skate friends these guys simon and um <clears throat> phil and tim um they tim bromley they they were all into it before me and my brother my brother miles so um they, they'd have been encouraging me to go for actually probably a couple of years and there were the same old barriers everyone has like cost and but then also i just didn't want to like i just i just didn't get it i was like why am i gonna strap onto that shit like mm. i just want to go like i can walk out my door and go skating yeah um yeah and then i got into it when i was 18 so i'd been skating for a few years and then even then i, I was um definitely a kook like it took me a while i wasn't like so doing what, anything rad day one what was your first day like it was fine but uh, you know lots of like figuring it out it's yeah. so different to skating and and were you like renting from the mountain or some something or yeah i can't remember i might have either that or they had all pieced gear together for me um yeah it took me a couple of goes probably um and lucky luckily all my mates were pretty um patient with me but they yeah then not long after like you know i don't want to say i fell in love with them day one i feel like i had a battle but as soon as I started linking turns, it was like, yeah, it was, I was all in. So. so that was your moment, the, oh, shit, this is for me, is the moment yeah. you started linking some turns. I guess so. And it definitely mm. wasn't like, I was definitely no natural. It's probably like the second day or something. And it helped that my friends were already so deep into it. But mm. I was like uh, such a little hater. I used to pay it out for ages. I was like, we would watch Snowwood videos, and I was like, man, that's strapped in. Like, mm. oh, like classic skate. Yeah, I was a mentality. Yeah. I was a little prick for sure, but um, yeah, yeah got my head around it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> and was that up at Mount Hart or something? Yeah, or? it was Hart. Oh, yeah, cool. and it's been cool <clears throat> listening to a lot of your guests. Well, I haven't session a lot, sorry, but the ones I have listened to, like, it's really cool how you're, uh, you know, a lot of the crew you've interviewed are down here or mm. down here. So yeah, it's really interesting to hear a lot. The scene was like down here because. I guess I grew up in Canterbury. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool how it's you know, so close, Canterbury, to here, really, on the big scale of things, but such a different yeah, again. Um, scene. And Nick Hine talks about that quite a bit. He's oh, does he? making a film that sort of tries to showcase that. Yeah, which yeah. Which I can't wait to see. Actually, yeah, I'm involved with that, mm. in that with him. Um, yeah, he's. it's going to be killer. It's, it's, it's kind of a... 
a bigger picture piece to help you know drive our sport so mm. it's, it's really cool it's cool he's a producer now but anyway mm. um christchurch like skating pretty insular kind of scene back then at least so when you were going to hut and figuring out snowboarding did yeah. you see like quentin and eventually like dudes and... yep the first people I, I looked up to were just my friends and we all thought uh, like my, my best mate tim bromley we all thought he was like as good as you could ever be in snowboarding he's like awesome he's a natural and you know he's always 10 steps better than all of us so we would all just try to keep up with him but um once we got a little more ingrained in the local scene that's when we started meeting you know like yeah the trevs or the cues and and they were a little older than us to be honest so um we weren't so close but people like um Neil Zippelar because he was yeah. a skater and people like that kind of bridged the gap yeah. um, for me. Um, Neil Neil Hopkinson, like kind of, yeah, there were people in between those scenes and also I guess, um, and we can talk about this later or whatever, but when I started snowboarding, like there was a kind of like a, I guess a big shift and like rails and parks and mm. it's a bit like my skating we're we're coming along so um how do i say this kindly like uh, we used to look at some of those old guys and 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 we were like well we don't want to ride the pipe you know yeah where's the rail yeah so yeah like not that we were great at it and there was definitely people better than us but that was our whole thing like we were watching at that this is a forum exactly that's what i was going to say not long after that forum comes out of nowhere those guys are rock stars we're like sessioning their vids Mm. some of the earliest videos i can remember watching are their vids like and then so that's kind of all we wanted to do so we were like um even though we were new and kind of kooks ourselves we were kind of trying to create our own thing a little bit a little bit that forum era was such a pivotal moment for a lot of snowboarders yep. that we're just like, that's how we want to ride our snowboards. And you see how like the forum eight had that whole, the whole package. It reminded a lot of like, I don't know, Pal Peralta in the eighties mm-hmm. or fucking World Industry in the early nineties, Toy Machine, and it was a know. tipping point. And mm. I'm sure we'll spend a lot of the next bit talking about that with. With regards to myself, because or well, my journey, because um, you know, I, snowboarding had this shift, mm. and I come in right, right on that bubble, and it was cool to kind of ride it, mm. um, you know, not figuratively and literally, because kind of like what I did for my job and that. So it was it was cool to see the change and the growth, and you know, just it's right. to see where it is now. From two thousand about two thousand and three. It was crazy to see the amount of fucking do-rags that started showing up. Yeah. And, and like, the low pants and... Dude, I've got the most you know. embarrassing photos of me when I was, like, 18 wearing, like, all sorts of crap. And we would wear it to, like, bars. <laughs> we thought we were, like, JP and the lads. <laughs> it was terrible. There was this gang below us, though. I think they used to call themselves the Cheapskates 8 or whatever. Some of them were pretty legit. I don't know if Dutchie was in it, but definitely Rebecca Hollis was. Oh, that generation. This dude, generation JP, who's a DJ and like, no, an MC, sorry. And um, they, those guys took it to another level. They the were like. Cheapskates 8. 
I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. And they were like, they must have chosen their favorite guy and, you know, duplicated it. And looking back, it was, it was awesome. But yeah, it was pretty funny at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of us associated you with um, Burton in New Zealand, which at the time would have been higher ground. Was there a considerable gap of time between when you started snowboarding and you started working at higher ground? Yeah, yeah, there was six six years. So, oh, right. You know, I had um, <clears throat> I was never uh, great at snowboarding, but I um, could get around. You know, I'd made a tape and sent it to Sunny. Um, still VHS. <laughs> um, <laughs> the sponsor me tape. Yeah, pretty Whoa. much. Red. Oh, but that was maybe not right yeah. when I started at Higher Ground. That was uh, unearth that sponsor me tape, Sunny. I've, I've got it. Somewhere. Oh, you got it. <laughs> but I, <laughs> um, and yeah, me and my friend Tim made one each. And but that like actually, Sunny. When I when I started Britain years later, Sunny just gave it to me. Pretty much told me it was rubbish. It was like bottom of the drawer. Shut the drawer. <laughs> it's like, dude, you might as well have this back. It's just been collecting dust. <laughs> um, oh, oh, harsh. But the, the, I guess the actual backstory as to how I got into higher ground was um, in the middle there somewhere, because I was still skating as much as I could through all this time. Um, Guy Alti had started doing Hurley, and Hurley had started making a push into skate. And um, he got in touch with um, James Scott and Campbell Johnson, and they put my name forward. And and there was that um, thing he told on his um, episode about meeting me at the skate park. And yeah, the rest was kind of history. And next thing you know, I was getting boxes from him, and it just kind of turned into a relationship. So did you start out as a Hurley team rider? Yeah, skater, yeah. yeah. Right. And then, so how did that turn into being a higher grounds yeah so a year a year or two after that um once guy and i had a bit of a relationship i guess um i can't remember exactly how it happened either he told me or i asked him but a job for a a sales rep come up like a junior sales rep and um i applied for it and uh you know i I, I got it I, i remember the interview clear as day yeah yeah he like when I went in, um, when I went in there, he said, oh, one of the first questions is like, where do you want to be in the future? And I just looked down and I said, where you're sitting? And um, like, I was kind of cocky and, um, but super nervous. And, you know, again, we can talk about Guy a lot, but, um, you know, I just owe so much to that dude. Because mm. actually what had happened, I think, this is a bit of speculation, but Higher Ground had been going a while. He had had a lot of people involved who were really like, integrated into the snow scene and uh he knew me through skateboarding but i was just like this kind of you know eyes wide open little punk and at that stage i guess i was also a bit of a sponge and he took a chance on me because he wanted someone that he could kind of you know curate and and mentor that's what i say you know thank you skateboarding like it was just right right time right place right Mm. and right place right time and he took a chance on me so it was just the biggest stroke of good luck ever. Mm. Yeah, I owe a lot to Guy and Cheryl. Right. And um, I want to talk about Guy and, and Cheryl in a little bit. Yeah. But I just want to, before we do that, I mean, we could probably spend a whole episode talking just about Guy. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll talk about some of the other crew that were in higher ground at the time. Because we've mentioned 
Um, like, yeah, who are some of the other crew kicking around? Yeah, I guess maybe this is going to be a bit of a recur- recurring theme, but higher ground began to grow pretty rapidly once I started. And maybe that was because the industry was growing, like we said, the forum thing and all. Because, um, you know, all ships rise with the tide. Burton was still strong. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but not only that, Guy and Shira were taking on a collection of other brands. Um, so they were, you know, trying to give some firepower to their organisation. So with that came more HR. Mm. And, um, yeah, we ended up with, like, such a rad crew of people. that Guy and Shira were talking about having a... 30-year reunion next year so that that'd be awesome but um yeah i mean there's too many to list and and Mm. honestly because it was you know again like my my podcast i guess is you know following on from guys a bit so excuse me listeners if you don't haven't heard his maybe you should go back and cop that one first but like there's so many people that you know i couldn't even mention them all and nor could guy and it was such a community (laughs) Mm. that people would just step in and really drive that ship. I mean, mm. we had, <coughs> you know, like Rory Jessen, who's now the buyer for That's right. Border Town, and yeah. James Allen, who works for um, Placemakers as a sales manager. Like, all these... Kate Blair was one of... A leading, amazing surfer, like one of the mm. best reps ever. But there was all these fantastic <coughs> people. There's behind-the-scenes people that absolutely made that place... You know, like Ruben Yeoman, who ran the Open, Sally Hargraves, and Mark Nicklin. And then I've even got a lot of credit on some of your podcasts for team writers. But really, there's this guy, Joel Nickel, who was fantastic back in the day. And he used to, he he assembled this um, Grom team or whatever we called it back then. And he found people like Benny Comba, Jarman, Carlos. Like, yeah, it was um, Angus. Like, um, all these. So anyway, it was a massive family of awesome and humans, and yeah, I do miss are you, it. Are you still in contact with a lot of these all people of now and stuff? Yep, all of them. Rad. Yep, there was no... Oh, just, there was, yeah, yeah, all the cool ones. <laughs> 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 no, when we got real big, like, yeah, I, that's his guy's story to tell, but when we got, when we were ripping... We had to get in some people to add some expertise, uh, you know, like from outside of our industry, and mm. some of those people hit and some didn't. But, yeah. but you learn you learn from... Also, um, you know, there's been so much talked about Higher Ground from on your podcast and stuff already. It's, it's pretty... Like, I get a bit sentimental about it. It's pretty cool to hear. Like, it's cool that it was such a big part of the community back then, and I, I probably took it for granted, and... Yeah, it's it's cool here. It's pretty special. Pretty unreal to be around that and that energy at that time. Mm. Like, I mean, I I was always hyped when I'd get um, the high ground Burton catalog in the mail. Yeah, I was like I got that in the mail for about like three or four years after I bought my first Burton. Mm. And I was just like, no fucking way. Oh man, you're the ultimate. That's <laughs> what we. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> man, you get hyped um, over a catalog. You should have gone to one of their parties. <laughs> 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 blow your blow your head off. Oh, no, well, I was pretty socially retarded. I probably would have been. You would have laughed. You would have laughed your ass off at me. But, <laughs> but I um, started HG and within a short time frame got shipped up to Auckland because we were growing. We needed a man on the ground up there, and um, so guy kind of offered me the promotion. 
Right. And I took it. And uh, me and my dad and girlfriend at the time, Jess, we um, hit the road. <laughs> Never so been to Auckland. Relocated to Auckland. Yeah, and stayed there. I lived there for five years. What was that like? Did you feel like you were actually going further away from the mountains then? Yeah, um, but higher ground had differentiated. And I, you know, we went through good and bad times, like GFC and stuff, as Guy talked about. But I hope I was helpful to him up there. I mean, we grew brands like Gravis and Analog, you know, and we were getting into, back then actually, we were in every surf shop with Analog. Mm. Like it was a pretty cool apparel brand across all the board sports back mm. then. And, you know, we're, we're differentiated. I never lost touch with snow because um, I was always just so frothed on it. And like, you know, thanks to the work situation, I could fly down here and ride, but also mm. had Snow Planet. Yeah, right. I was riding like more than ever. It was yeah. crazy, and I could surf and skate in the same day. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's when Snow Planet was new and it was all crispy, and the park was pretty sick. There's a, and there's a whole scene there. Mm. I mean, the underground skate crew and a lot of New Zealand's best snowboarders, you know, previ- recently, let's say, have mm. come from there. Yeah. You think of like Jimmy Red Austin names, because yeah, they man. get embarrassed. <laughs> but they should own it, because Snow Planet's so rad. I mean, Christy Pryor, we well, all know the story. Planet. Yeah. Right, right. James Hamilton, Morgan, Schofield, yeah. Leon, McKay, Jay Walsh. Like, there's so many of them. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty heavy list. And yeah. still now, there's less of a scene now, which is a bit sad, but um, I was such a fan of the place because A, um, Grommies go there and try it out, and they're like, this is rad. They speak to their parents and they end up doing HPC or whatever. Mm. That's a pretty cool journey. Yeah. But if you just go to Snow Planet and you know, firstly, it's rad to ride. Can I tell the people how rad it is to ride? Like, if you go at 10 o'clock in the morning, like on a weekend, because they groom at night, the first hour or two, because it's like sugar man-made snow, is really good. So if you want to have a jib or a little shred around, for an hour or two, it's perfect, and there's no crowds. It's really good. And you can lap in like one minute. So Mm. you get like as good at your jibbing as as I've ever been, anyway. So, so you get a lot of time actually on your board. It's sick. Riding, yeah. But it, you need to pick your moments. It gets pretty busy. But the thing that I also see now from a business point of view that's encouraging, I'll go there any time and stand at the big glass windows looking over the snow. And it is full of every age, every race, you know, can, can't, snowboard, ski, whatever. And these are all people using Snow Planet as a gateway to get into, like, the lifestyle that we've enjoyed for so long and i just think that's so cool these are people that might not have a chance otherwise because there's a lot of barriers to entry to our sport there is and i mean one one of which is um they wouldn't have to terrify themselves driving up driving up the bloody mountain road when when drive on your board shorts yeah yeah i think everyone's first time up even like a cadrona or remarkables which is pretty tame by mountain road standards was terrifying yeah yeah, let alone a clubby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, and so it's definitely got its place. I mean, this year at Katrina, there was so many Auckland kids that came mm-hmm. down for the season that were all, all I, I, I guess like a Snow Planet alumni or something. Like, yeah, they, they all like well, I had a guy Ollie that worked for me in the workshop. Yeah, he, you know, they they all knew each other in the other departments as this. They had this weird we Snow Planet alumni bonds thing or something. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Though. It it's, actually is because you know, it, cause, you know I, not to take up the podcast of Snow Planet banter, but it gets a bit of a bad rap sometimes. You know, 
because it's not obviously not like an extreme mountain but man you can hone your skills there and some of new zealand's best have not only that it's an incredible gateway to more people to come into but our sport i think it is it's like any of these things that we ride our snowboard on they are what they are like snow planet is what it is it's an indoor slope to jib on yeah Kadrona is what it is. You're not going to get steep Alaskan lines at Kadrona. It's a playground. Yeah. You know, and, and to go to snow yeah, you just with make expectations the most. Exactly. beyond what it is, then you're going to... Look at what they do in the Yargoons. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but uh, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know where I'm going with this. I, I guess the thing it's just is... about making the most. If you're riding your snowboard, you're doing all right. Yeah. And, you know, like you go take a run at McDougal's at Kadrona with Will J., and he still has as much fun as, yeah, you know, and that's it. I think that's it right there. And yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this, so you can steer me away. No, from No, no, I'm, 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 I'm picking up what you're putting down. It, it is about making the most with whatever you've been dealt, mm. and also snowboarding is one of those things where, like, you know, the first day of every season, when you just get on your board, you do up your bindings, you stand up, and you cut a couple of turns, and like. Mm. You get a little bit of a breeze and you're in the mountains and the vista and it's just so fucking fun. Mm. Like, it's rad to do a trick or a line or whatever your goal is, but, um, man, it is so refreshing just to do a turn or two. And, yeah, so uh, I hear you. <laughs> mm, totally, yeah. And, I mean, Snow Planet, like, I mean, it's got to be pretty easy to do a surf skate snow day. Yeah, I had it worked out. You know, up there. I would go Dorney, always to um, um, Kerry Kerry, a little quieter than Piha. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I mean, you could go East Coast, it's even closer if the if the swell was on, but often it's not, you have to go West. Yeah, so Dorney there, shoot through the snow planet, get there for 10 for opening, and then skate in the afternoon, and then... Um, yeah, well, I was in my 20s, right? So it was party all night. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it's actually like four sports. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I, I didn't even think of this, but a couple of Amy's um, staff members, um, Mish and Emma, have you met them? Yeah. I mean, Michelle, cr- yeah. Michelle and Emma, and they yep. crack up like the total frothing park rats, mm-hmm. those two. And um, they did a, a uh, mission in summer to go snowboard at snow planet oh like, yeah they did that's right yeah, it's like how have i not thought of that like that's i thought know, that was like, really cool kind of rare like. i love that dedication i mean mm. emma she, she's gonna if she listens to this she's gonna get blasted but she i love that chick she um puts she's either got a spare room or her room but all her snowboard stuff's still crispy folded packaged like neatly you know ocd style placed around her bed <laughs> and her boyfriend Leo's like what the hell like he's as frothy but not mm. to that level she's like like a kid on Christmas day you know yeah but you see it when she when she rides though like, yeah it's in it's know? in top we've ridden with her a few times it's in it's in top good, skating good Love style her. like yep. really good style she's progressing and, fast yeah and rad like yeah how it should be yeah exactly know, like, and um <clears throat> and how did that all go Sort of oh, like, I how, loved how it. Was five years in Auckland, it was like I was at the perfect age and stage. Like, like I said, hopefully I did a good job for Guy and Cheryl. But um, 
I just had such a good time mm. as well. And so were you commuting down here quite a bit still to the South Island or Rapeo and stuff? Or? Yeah, a bit. A bit. Um, whenever I could. Mm. And lots in winter. But, you know, it's a long year and I made a, a whole great group of new friends who I keep in touch with a lot now and, you know, help, help me out to this day. It's nice to have friends at either end of the country. And, yeah, we did a lot of cool things. Spent a lot of time in you know in the water mm. and a lot of time it, it was weird my, most of my crew were kind of you know you hang out in Auckland but you don't necessarily hang out with Aucklanders <laughs> it's kind yeah. of yeah because everyone's from you know so um most of the crew I ended up hanging out with from Mount Monganui mm. so got a pretty good tie with that place now and yeah and does it true you owned a bar or something down at the mount yeah right. yeah it was the best bar in the world <laughs> um <laughs> we started it this is like, oh man, I love this thing. It was called Major Tom's. Jess yeah. come up with that name. And, is that um, a David Bowie? Exactly, nod, nod to Bowie and Bowie. And um, I started it with two best friends. Um, this guy, Hambo, uh, Hamish Matheson, who used to work for Higher Ground doing Nixon. And um, my other friend, Karen. Mm. Uh, they were a couple at the time. And, um, yeah, it was just us three. We just totally winged it, didn't know what we were doing. Um, everyone everyone chipped in. Every one of our <coughs> surf crew at that time chipped in, like from, you know, the, the guy Nate who does block lane, built the fence. Like every everyone did something. Mm. And it was kind of this community pub, and it was sick. It was ahead of its time, man. It would pump today with this whole craft beer mm. scene. And were you still high grounding while you were doing this? Yeah, yeah. I did that when I was... 30 right. withdrew all my money i had 10 grand and uh i still got a photo of me in the check <laughs> at the, from the teller and um and that's a stamp on it right there when you say the word check that's right <laughs> and took it to uh you know we worked with lion nathan mm-hmm. so we had uh yeah we we opened this uh it was essentially like a max bar it was very like uh eclectic hambo had his uh photography he's a surf photographer and art and stereos and old furniture lamps was super cool we were um yeah kind of yeah we were too cool because it it didn't it is do you want to hear the how it played out yeah man yeah it was like i learned so much from it it was was worth more than you know it was kind of like a degree um it pumped it really did. It was full with queues. And the first two or three years, you know, the New Year's parties and the, like, the people that were there, like, it was awesome. We, we really tapped into social media, Facebook then, no Instagram, but, like, it was kind of, like, the place to be for a minute. Mm. It was still chill for the boys, but it was um, at nights. It would, you know, we'd always have live gigs and there's always heaps of girls. It was a, it was, it was a, a time. Um... I would say, and if Hambo or Karen are listening, like maybe they've got a different version. We were, we didn't know anything about business. We didn't, we, and it's easy for me to say because I was a silent partner, so I don't want to like, you know, they did the hard graft. So mm. I'd really like have so much appreciation for that. But, you know, even as a silent partner, you know, I have to take responsibility. I never arranged like a quarterly meeting or let's go through the report, re- reporting every monday in fact we didn't even have reporting you know what's the take and how does it compare to last week what's uh you know all the stuff i know now Mm. so we were flying in the wind 
And we got this reputation as a hipster bar, really. It was when everyone was wearing the skinny jeans and, you know, mm. dress shoes. And we for sure had those sort of people. There's a funny marketing, like, I don't know, there must be books about it, but it's kind of like a hipster doesn't judge the dude wearing a rugby shirt. Mm. But the dude in a rugby shirt, hell of a, sure as hell thinks that he's being judged by that hipster wearing a freaking vest and tight pants and a weird haircut and all the rest. Mm. So he doesn't feel comfortable and buggers off. And it's just weird. Like the crowd we attracted in the end was almost a blessing but a curse. Mm. So people were just feeding off stereotypes and shit. A, a, a little, yeah. yeah. And and in the end, it, we suffered because it, it took away uh, those patrons that were like kind of like the the key guys that would you know sit at the bar all afternoon spend a bit of money and have a chat to hambo mm. you know they felt less comfortable being there mm. because um turned into a bit of a scene spot which was kind yeah. of cool because that's what everyone's trying to achieve like be the cool bar yeah but actually for business it wasn't that cool so it was an interesting learning lesson it's uh, i mean that yeah that is an interesting lesson so you sort of reminded me like my cousin's husband he manages a he owns a bar in Dunedin and it's kind of the bar that all the hospo guys go to mm-hmm. and I think that makes it kind of tough because they don't like to let the you know civilians know where their <laughs> right one on. is yeah and then of course none of them expect to pay full price for anything either yeah. and it's like man that's a, a few things stacking up against oh our bar would work you know, now and, for sure Hambo was ahead of his time like all the live gigs and even the taps and that he had on was pretty cool. Mm. And like such a good experience. Yeah. I really, I, we got a few cash dividends and a hell of a lot of massive free nights. <laughs> and so in the end, it really owed me nothing. So what I took from it were, you know, lessons around business and marketing, as well as just so many good times with friends. Yeah. Um, so I, it's, it was worth every single cent. And so once that ended, it was sort of more time to put back into higher ground or? Yeah, I, I had moved. Hambo broke up with Kaz. Oh, okay. So the trio had, um, you know, split ways. Hambo kept it going for a little and then he, um, you know, he he um, sold it. So, mm. yeah, it, it wasn't like a failed project. It's just was we didn't get rich from it. Yeah. Um, and yes, I had moved back down here. So oh, I right. I moved down because this whole time I didn't live in Mount Monganui. I was still living in Auckland. So you were com- doing the commute. I'd I'm spend my weekends stuff. there and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I come down back down. Oh, that's right. The GFC, of course. Things started turning pear shaped. Um, Two thousand eight. Oh right. Yeah. 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 Oh, the global financial crisis. Yes. Yeah. 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 So uh, I had been, you know called back to the head office uh we were still doing a few brands but things were perhaps unwinding a little so it's higher ground sort of ditched a couple of brands or something i think they had ditched a couple probably Mm. started you know down scaling just a little just then Mm. it had hit everyone pretty hard people weren't spending Mm. um yeah so you know I i was called back into head office and that was still a lot of fun we it was kind of you know you face these challenges and you you have to be resilient and you, you learn from them and we had a good crew then uh, mm. ray slowden was our manager and um he was just this amazing guy he, he's a marketing manager for fonterra now mm. uh, but just 100 miles an hour 
And we were all just chipping in and doing our part. Um, so it was a uh, relocation back to Christchurch. That's right. Yep. And then as if the financial crisis wasn't um, enough, you know, business was challenged, uh, two years later the earthquakes hit. Mm. Yeah, so it was a double whammy for um, Guy and High Ground and Nats and Shiro, and he speaks about that in his episode. Mm. Yeah. Well, you brought up Guy, and I'd like to talk about Guy a bit more. Yeah, I think, um, well, once his episode came out, I got a few DMs be like, holy shit, I had no idea. I just thought he was a real estate guy. I was like, dude, he, he got DMs. No, I did. No, but so did he. Oh, but he the did? same stuff. Yeah. He told me. People were messaging him like, yeah, mm-hmm. his backstory is amazing. And I'm so thank you so much for doing that. Like, Oh, I don't even think we scratched the surface of... But <laughs> that's know. the, you know, but, that's the holy grail of... He's was so ingrained in snow and, sports in New Zealand. And his contributions... Yes. Uh, undeniable. Like. Super generous, amazing mm. journey, like a, a visionary. Mm. And um, yeah, I just owe so much to Guy and Cheryl. And so at this point when you came back to Christchurch, was this when he put you on the, the demo trips with him? <laughs> no, they were in my grommet years. Right. Team Arsehole, can you we, mean? Can we yeah. sort of talk about that a bit? Because he sort of scratched over that one a little bit, Team Arsehole. I mean, it's it's not it's nothing revolutionary or secret. It's old it's old school stuff, but it's it's all about going out and doing your job and doing it well and having fun, like lots of fun, and then backing it up. You know, first thing in the morning, hangovers or no sleep or whatever, just backing it up. And so we called ourselves team arsehole and kind of thought we were pretty rad out there on the road just living like teenagers and (laughs) he always used to say to me don't tell cheryl (laughs) not about bad things like just drinking because you know he covered he had um the hep c and you know this is all before me but we're on the road like getting hammered eating fish and chips drinking coke Mm. we'll just go through like you know, it was so random. We'd just pick just up that. fish and chips anywhere. Just living in his, um, he had this old Range Rover Discovery or something. Yeah. We're just rolling in and out of that thing, in and out of shops. And everyone loved him. So we'd go to shops, show a range. It could be anything like shoes. Mm. Sell shoes for an hour. Then we're going out and getting hammered with this count, doing dinner, going out after. Mm. Like, yeah, he almost killed me. He is the ultimate <laughs> team (laughs) um but he backs it up that's his um that's his art and you know i know i'm gonna have lots of references to burton because that's you know part of well it's a huge part of my journey yeah but there's a lot of it's it's kind of a global attitude (laughs) i'm sure it comes in all actions with with the territory and all action sports companies Mm. but you know we like to we like to have fun Mm. but you got to get the work done yeah. So you've got to back it up. So yeah, it's pretty funny. And mm. uh, Guy was probably the best at it, yeah. Yeah. So, um, was it Morgan wanted me to ask a bit more about what's this oyster cum shot thing? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. the same as, like, right. I just am too, I was just so young and naive. It's funny he called me out on that. Like, I, I just run my mouth about shit. I'd never, I don't even think I'd ever had an oyster. I'm from Greymouth. <laughs> Dude, when I started working at Higher Ground, I was amazed. I got, when I was on the road though, I got a free lunch. Mm. I could not believe it. I'd, I thought I'd won lotto. Yeah. But anyway, he asked me if I want oysters. And I'm like, are you some sort of like 
rich guy fucking like what is this shit it's like it's like having a cum shot in your mouth <laughs> i was just like yeah and he never he never let oh me God. down and he never let me down let that down hey, and you know what they taste like jay yeah i, I don't I, well, yeah and um anyway again like how hypocritical because now they're actually pretty nice yeah <laughs> you know but um i didn't know anything like i said he took me as like this just fresh young dude and taught me a lot mm. good and bad <laughs> yeah but it would be pretty rad though like you'd have a good um i guess you got to probably see just about everywhere you can ride a snowboard via lift access in the country through it, traveling with guy and, and doing the demos and all that yeah thanks to guy and and even still to this day like i'm in incredibly grateful of the opportunities britain's given me i've um traveled globally and ridden many spots and you know i couldn't have afforded to do that and it's, it's awesome mm. so it was uh, what was before we leave um guy what was the most awkward moment in one of your team asshole things that um he put you in i don't know <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, I mean, there must have been some demo thing where he's like, oh, yeah. I just wish there was a hole in the ground I could jump in and get out of here right now. Thanks, okay. guy. <laughs> he was actually really respectful and looked after me a lot. I mean, he would make sure that I was at the bar to the end of the night with him, which sucked. But, yeah, he was pretty good. But one thing comes to mind. It's not that naughty, but um, do you know what the Eddington races are? Or Cup Day in mm. Christchurch? Yeah, it was a massive day for high ground. So we would, um, every year, it was guys, it was a kind of like his pride and, you know, it was his thing. It was like how to smuggle as much booze possible into, because it was alcohol free, in the yeah. center circle. We'd have yeah. a staff party. So, But, um, I mean, this is not just like, um, you know, a, a bottle of spirits and a handbag kind of deal. I have packed snowboard boxes full of cans. And you can imagine how many cans a snowboard box would take. Yeah. And then multiple snowboard boxes, and then put them under the floor in a bus. <laughs> We've taken a Unimog in there. We've done anything. I mean, anything you could possibly... He's like the Pablo Escobar of smuggling alcohol into alcohol-free events. He didn't have to. It was just a challenge, right? I mean, if they said you're allowed alcohol, we probably wouldn't have gone. Yeah. Would it be no challenge for Guy? <laughs> That's the kind of guy he is. <laughs> oh, sweet. And, of course, we can't really talk about Guy without talking about Cheryl, and it really, well, Guy's hip C story really sort of floored me. Like, holy shit. And then um, Cheryl handled business. Like, Kip was, like, the glue that kept higher ground together. Yeah. Would I be? Yeah. I. <clears throat> hey, recurring theme timing i i come in just after that so guy was on the up and we were living um but even when i arrived at higher ground cheryl was um she was wearing pants mm. and uh especially in meetings my god like dog fights with, oh, our, really? with our old accountant <laughs> sorry <laughs> cheryl <laughs> but uh yeah cheryl and there was some other women um annie annie and uh sally and yeah, they ran the show and you didn't mess with them. It was, mm. you know, there's a few dudes there and we were a bit loose, but they ran the show for sure. Then I think Cheryl, this might be a bit um, hazy, but uh, she kind of wor started working on Gravis and Nixon maybe. Mm. And um, then obviously had the boys. So 
yeah, in my journey, I started kind of seeing a little less of her and more of Guy. Right. Yeah. Burton in New Zealand obviously had a huge team roster. Yeah. And so was your interaction with the team riders quite quite a bit? Yeah. Bit? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, I was um, active in the snow community, and so I would uh, help identify riders. And, mm. you know, when I started at Higher Ground, we you know we talked about this off air and and it was it's it's even hard for me to remember how many people have supported and that just goes back to how generous guy was mm. but when i arrived we had a massive team and and we always did and people would come and go just depending on like their situation or their right you mm. know their riding or their um age whatever but it was always like this uh constant cycle of people coming through so when you came on board and sort of the denny and dill era was sort of starting to taper off yes exactly yep idols for sure but um you know we would you know we'd go and hang with them and get have dinners and boozy nights and stuff but they were um they were still getting shots Mm. but they were you you know starting to wind down i guess Mm. um jew um I guess when I started, kind of like the stars, no offense, anyone, Dylan, he was amazing. His mm. podcasts were awesome. Mm. But um, kind of, I guess, who was rolling at that minute was like TJ and Will J, Haley, Jar Harris, Dan right. Fountain. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that kind of squad. I'll, I'll be missing lots of people, mate. Sorry, Shelly G. And she was a little later. A little later. Like, she was already riding but i guess mm. um didn't get on burton for another couple of years right um mitch so, and kendall were the groms but they were like full groms then mm. they were like i mean i must admit mitch i mean he's still young you forget yeah uh, i must he's, admit he's been in it for so long eh? Yeah, yeah he would have been like i don't know early early teens if mm. not younger i'm not sure i mean that was a pretty rad era though with like I mean, shit, let's talk about Hayley Holt because it's easy to forget with who she is now, but she was a, quite a prominent um, sponsored snowboarder in this time. Or, yeah, and she was doing, you know, one of the first kind of girls who branched across doing really good in slopestyle comps, I mm. guess. Maybe I guess. my memory's not that great, but she was, yeah, doing massive, huge spins mm. on big tables, which is pretty mm. new for women at that point. You know, there's a lot of straight ears in the mix. Yeah. So she um, was crushing that. And, um, I mean, I guess, like, playing, riding around, trying to catch up with Logan. Yeah. do that to you. <laughs> exactly. Logan and um, Christian Phillips, right? Yeah. And, um, but anyway, she was going out with TJ. Mm. They had this, but, yeah, they were just, like, such a funny little duo. Um, yeah, pleasure to hang around, but, yeah like get on her where she's gone in her career but she was like completely opposite back then it was like a, just yeah. um yeah they were living the the riding dream full mm. full deros <laughs> um yeah mm. i mean it was like the meanest switchback ones from her yeah like, she know. was ahead of her time and mm. and so and if you work in a kind of a you know a linear way yeah. um I didn't really hook those guys up. Perhaps like Dylan or someone had helped Guy or find people like them, or maybe mm. Sonny had identified them. And then, um, you know, snowboarding really began to take off, like we talked about earlier. Yeah. And all of a sudden, 
with you know bigger budgets sorry with more sales came bigger budgets and people were everyone was looking for the next rider and mm. so i really um brought on people like nick brown shelly i think i don't know if i even found i, I mean i remember meeting shelly for the first time in in the in the pub in Owakuni, but um I think maybe was Joel that was when she was working it. there or something. Or yeah, she's still working. Yeah, yep. She was like, let's talk about Nick and Shelley because they're yeah. two writers that haven't really been talked about heaps on the episodes. And yeah, I mean, fuck, like Shelley was. I mean, fuck, she was one of my favorites when the mag like, in that magazine mm. era. Like every shot was just like, holy fuck. You know, I um, I loved uh, when you did the podcast on Shelley. The what a reminder that instagram she posted mm. she was doing the gnarliest biggest shit and it was kind of before it was designed good like it wasn't good mm. it was just big but without yeah. good trainees and stuff serious consequences <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i was like oh my god so many cringy big features that she would just tackle yeah she's mm. a superstar so those two like i still list, like it was interesting watching those two in their careers because i honestly believe they were both at the top of their game i mean Nick was doing tricks on Pyramid Gap not long after Travis Rice. Yeah. And Shelley might have even been the first woman in the world to do a double backflip. Yeah, right. And I mean, if, fuck it, is it, that if it wasn't her, it? maybe it was Kimmy Fasano. Yeah. I don't know, but they were both. And what I felt bad about is like, because Burton was still pretty fragmented at that point with distributors all around the world, right? Mm. So the global heads, I guess, kind of looked at them and were like, well, sweet, they're taken care of. And they were. Right. But in my opinion, they could have been pros. Mm, like, so, proper pros. Not uh, So, not... That's bad. Like, not gone from Kiwi pro to international pro. I'm, I'm surprised that Nick never... Like, we talk about it in um, Heiner's one, because Nick Brown, back 10 pyramid gap, back when it was like a back 10 was a huge deal. Yeah. And, uh, and it's like, I'm surprised he never seemed to go on the international team because I would think that would be worthy. You know, and I think it's just because back then the world, just even, you know, I I see both sides, right? Marketing and sales. when you talked about the infrastructure right there. Exactly. Mm. The world is still kind of fragmented and I'm sure Aussie Mm. and Europe and everyone had their superstars who also Mm. didn't make the US team. Mm. But um, um, I held Nick and Shelley in like the highest regard, (laughs) even on an international stage you know what well, was a trip with say shelly when she sent through the pictures to go with her episode and there's a bunch of podium shots mm-hmm. the amount of big like names that are now legendary yeah that she's sharing the podium with yeah and she's not normally standing first or second yeah and and there's jamie anderson and shirsty below her and she was yeah. like holy fuck that's that's no joke and her right. story um <clears throat> she's you know what a humble beginnings like mm. to the, the kiwi way and good honor and nick's the same you know he's still one of my favorite snowboarders like he's yeah. uh, now he's coaching the next generation and they they love him like yeah. it's crazy these young because he's on the national development team mm. so he gets the future olympians before they even get to um zoe and carlos's level and you know they they love him. I mean, imagine having Nick Brown as a coach. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You'd be pretty stoked. I mean, I, I say it in a couple of episodes, <laughs> but you look at who's coaching these kids here right now. It's like Browner, Mitch, Sean Thompson, mm-hmm. Jubray, yeah. AJ. Yeah. It's like wow, that's like you 
that's a really solid foundation. Yeah, and <laughs> that in snow sports, I mean, it's showing yeah. because or well, look at what you know, look at Zoe. She's mm. like inspiring a whole new generation. Yeah. I mean, Zoe's going to win gold. Yeah, yeah, she's going <laughs> to. I mean, it was a trip watching her in that natural selection competition. It was the best day. Eh? And uh, again, we say it, and so many others because we're like, be rad if she won, but come on, look at the lineup, you know. And then, like, oh my god, she fucking won it. And yeah, against like legends, you know, it's and pretty crazy. But she and I know she said it was like one of her favorite experiences and favorite areas she's ridden, and she took so much away from that. Mm. But she, she had it, man, because she can free ride. And sure, mm. the lines she might have done are not Alaska, but she's been with the boys, Hallie, and she's ridden mm. back at TC and you name it. But then she has the freestyle tricks, and I, I, I knew that comp was going to lend itself to people that could do both, like Travis. Mm. And um, so as soon as she started with her, you know, her doing a cat or whatever, she already, like, jumped a league, you know, mm. like, did the turns where she needed to, but then when a wind lips in front of her, boom, she's got a freestyle trick. Yeah. And, I th- yeah, I think I, I had a hunch that was what it was going to take. Mm. And, yeah, like, like she owned it. And I guess the same, exact same thing happened with the dudes, right? Yeah. Um, with, you know, some of the... Maybe a little bit unexpected, but the dudes who won were, the, I guess, the best combination of both. Yeah. Free ride and freestyle. So what, what a revolutionary comp. And comp. So I think Micklebang did my favorite trick. Was that uh, the nose tapper? Well, that run with the nose tapper in the cab five? Onto the rock? Yeah, yeah. In yeah. Jackson Hole. So, wow. Well, I think that was the best know. stop. Yeah. Like the commentary, the droning, the format, everything, I think. But did you see the dude that won Canada, hey? I can't remember now. Um, he is at like a... F- um, Chris Rasmus? Or? Oh, yeah, that dude. Is that yep. him? Chris Rasmus. He was insane. Mm. But yeah, hard to keep up with like, you know, Sparky when he's got a wind lip or something in front of him. Like, I mean, he's he's a trick machine, that dude, isn't he? He's one like, of the, be- the yeah. best in the world. So it doesn't yeah. matter if it's a big air jump or... Slope style jump, a rail, or a mm. um, a windlip in the backcountry. Mm. He he can do, or you name it. Yeah. When it was <laughs> when it was between him and Ben Ferguson, I have to admit, I was going on Ben Ferguson's camp. I was like, oh, that's yeah. Yeah. B Ferg's he's yeah, one of my favourites too because he's an he's a ATV. Mm. You know, like his whole he's from Mount Bachelor, and his whole upbringing is like riding fishy boards and doing freestyle tricks, and he's um. Yeah, I like I like someone that can destroy it all, and, and mm. you know, then he was on the U.S. Olympic team for yeah. halfpipe. He's like, I love riders that can do it all. Like that's yeah. that's my jam. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, <clears throat> we'll sort of segue. We'll segue back to New Zealand team riders a bit because there was a generation that followed um, after Shelley and Nick Brown with sort of your Roberts and Connor Hardings and. Um, <clears throat> that sort of era Ben Comer I think was another one were you quite instrumental on those guys coming on to the Burton team or yeah yeah team effort um yeah team effort we had a marketing department at high ground but I had a title for a while my title changed a lot that's why I stuck around I got guy moved me around I had a title for a while maybe 
brand manager. Yeah. When I had that title, a lot of those decisions would, you know, be made in collaboration. Um, so yeah, it wasn't. It was. It was a, a team effort. Um, we had this guy called Joel Nickel, who was this half Kiwi, half Canadian dude, and he would. He really like found a lot of young crew. He was. He was really cool. He was good at what he did. He was a like a solid head. And yeah, he um yeah, he was um I guess he came on as like marketing assistant, but then pretty quickly once Ruben bailed and this other dude, I think he became like marketing. <laughs> like like yeah. it was him. And so I would work with him a lot. So some of the younger crew higher grounds, um, Burton. Yeah, I mean so. when it was pretty strong there. Joel, mainly, he's got to get the credit, I think. He, he assembled like a, I forget what we called it. I think we called it the B team. Um, and there were dudes on there that were, well, I mean, Carlos started as part of that Grom squad. Right. Um, do you remember Jarman? Jamin Beatty. Yeah, Queensland yep. kid, like one of the best styles ever. Mm. There was a whole bunch of kids and... Some stuck around and some didn't, but it was fun. Like we had a kind of a program to foster younger kids, and I do miss that. Actually, it's, it's hard now. I mean, um, it's a resource thing, but also kids are coached up and doing tens by the time they're twelve. So just you just don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it was a uh, it was kind of like a, a family the, mm. the team back then, and we had every age group kind of covered and. Yeah. Again, goes back to guys' generosity. Uh, I guess you've also got a good spectrum there. We've got the older guys on the team that the younger guys can learn from, and definitely that sort of thing as well. And yeah, like Robbie at Hollis, who went on NewZealandSnowboard.com and all yeah. those things. Entrepreneur. Yeah. I can. T- I mean, I can give you shit on all those guys. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. But um, it, it's um, you know, lucky enough to be able to call most of them friends. Mm. So with Zoe coming on, does she come on through you guys, or is she straight into the Burton International? Yeah, Zoe course? and Carlos were similar in some ways, where they both were at a time where they had to compete internationally mm. and get recognised internationally. <clears throat> um, Sure, Carlos, um, you know, had that kind of loop in with the guy and Carlos's dad knowing guy and everything and Joel. But actually, Carlos only got the real bump. Like, Carlos is a pro, mm. and he only got the real bump after, you know, doing the US Opens and hanging with Jake and Donna, making relationships with people at the top and really showing the rest of the world what he could do with his riding. Mm. And Zoe... I guess as you should do, you're not yep. going to get that handed to you, are you? You've got to work. And, and work Zoe had a similar um, pathway. Mm. I mean, she a lot of the riding world was around her when she was younger because that's Snow Park. Mm. Um, but then she had to go away and prove herself, and yeah. she did. And, I mean, yeah, Zoe, um, I think there was a minute there where I was flowing her boards because – I've done this with a few riders nowadays because mm. the, the the landscape's changed now, right? I did the same yeah. with Christy Pryor. Like, people get off. A, let's say a sponsor drops someone or, yeah. like, someone stops making boards. So yeah. next minute you don't have DC or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm so lucky that Burton's got a bit of, 
you know, we've got some resources, so I'll mm. give these people boards. And a lot of the time, it would just be like, you are that awesome that I, you know, just please ride my board. And mm. whatever happens, happens. Like, let me, if it works out with Burton, that's fantastic. But if I can bridge the gap for so you. So that's why Christy was riding Burton's for that time. Yep. So that also harks back to almost guys. Team freeload thing he did with Dino and those dudes. If I can bridge the gap for a rider, Mm. that's cool too. Because we don't want to see these people held back at all. Mm. Like, you know, people like Christy and Zoe and people that you know are going to be superstars, Mm. you just got to have some faith in them. But with Christy, she went uh, Nitro scooped her. Mm. That was cool. And Zoe, it wasn't long. I think I might have given her a couple free boards, but then Burton was all over her. Mm. like international she was blowing up on on her own right she didn't need me to do anything she was uh she was obviously going to be a superstar mm. well i mean i'm pretty sure it was a good move giving christy boards because i know with the girls that worked in the shop with us would see what she was riding and try mm. and buy that board and I, nice and, like i've seen that happen several times during that period that's nice to and hear so like you know, I'm pretty sure it's common practice around the world. Like our team mm. managers are very generous, and if there's someone mm. at a, you know, doing the circuit who doesn't have a backing for a while, they'll, you know, they'll hook him. It's mm. no problem. Uh, there's one. <clears throat> while we're sort of talking about higher ground in Burton, um, there's a uh, event I wanted to ask you about. The this is going back a few years now, the uh, Burton versus Forum tour. Yes. Um, can you tell me like what the uh, inspiration? Can you give our listeners who probably may or may not know what the story was like? What was the inspiration behind this this competition? So, like higher ground, a little team of misfits. Um, Forum had come on board under you know Matt Proctor was the brand manager for that, and um, Joel was doing marketing. Guys, our fearless leader, let us do whatever we want. And we literally could do whatever we want. Mm. I come up with, I can't claim that. I stole the concept from King of the Road. A thrasher. Yeah. Of course. And um, we already had a lot of rivalry. Sorry, my vocabulary. I'm from Greymouth. I told you that. (laughs) Um, In-house because Forum and Burton. So we're always like, fuck you, Maddie, whatever. Yeah. And he would, you know. And so anyway, we both both had teams. And it was only going to help us all if we you know, did joint promotions. Mm. So yeah, we, 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 we got campers, we got the sponsors like the caravan companies and Mm. the drink company and come up with the concept and wrote up the books. Joel got the Bibles made and hit the road and tried to tick off a bunch bunch of challenges. So Burton team and forum team, who was in each? Yeah. Burton was, uh, Rebecca Hollis, Nick Brown and Connor Harding. And forum was, um, R&B, LPR, <laughs> Liam, Ryan, Pe- Liam Peters, Peter, Peter Ryan. <laughs> Liam, Peter, Ryan, whatever. sorry, sorry, LPR, and um, uh, it's because I was thinking ahead and I can't remember Renee's last name, Ribbiton, yeah, he's such a G, mm. and um, oh my god, it was awesome, because right from the get-go, like, the forum guys were chill, the Burton guys were competitive, right, so... You can imagine Nick mm. Brown and Rebecca Hollis. I mean, come on. Mm. So things got heated straight away. Started with like flour and eggs and I don't know, chucking some car keys in a gutter or whatever. 
and ended with like <sighs> don't me tell you what happened on the worst night let's go man yep so it all started the forum guys got us good somehow mate this is all on youtube if you mm. youtube white line fever there's like three or four quick 10 minute eps that are there they're all narrate narrated by me and maddie and joel and it's it's there but anyway the forum guys got us good as something i can't remember but you know going back rebecca and nick as if that was gonna fly so anyway they stashed their camper van at night thinking that you know they only parked it like a block away <laughs> like mm. classic maddie so it wasn't really that well hidden <laughs> but um yeah so we walked around the corner found that uh we took their tire off um, we had brought fish oil. We poured that in the vents of their camper. Um, <laughs> the rental company would fucking love to you guys. We um, pissed on everything. Every single thing that we set up for those guys is like a kind of a trap or a prank. We pissed over so that they had to touch that. <laughs> and then we took feral, right? And then we took their tire and Connor, I think, because he's the youngest waded out into the lake and we yeah it floated it was floating in the lake so when they found their camper in the morning there was a note there like a a, a riddle mm. and they had to go and fish their tire out of the lake and make it to a shoot that day and the, but the shoot that day like everything we did on that trip was pretty cool too like the snowboarding was really cool yeah um we hit the uh you know the famous a frame at on the end of the uh avalanche plane as you go up to round hill okay uh they built a booter up to that and some of the boys got toe-ins and did kind of bonks on like the both the burton and forum guys yeah they had made it up eventually yeah. <laughs> but uh the boys got like you know taps taps over the top of that thing so it's just really like photogenic and we did lots we got on you know the morning news up at snow park we uh yeah we really made the most like there was a, a bunch of good on and off snow challenges so i remember seeing the uh six person front board picture legendary eh? i yeah. love that so much mm. oh man that must pop up that pops up every now and again and i just can't believe it it was cool watching that happen mm. but those guys like to me at that time doing a front board on the snow park steer set was like i wouldn't do that it was, no, it was gnarly I mean, there's pretty you know consequences straight 50 50 front board can piss off yeah. but um those guys were you know pros they were just locked in it was nothing to them mm. so yeah, it, was, it was pretty cool so, it only took them maybe three or four goes and even then they all basically landed every time it was just like everyone was like oh, i can get my board straighter you yeah know? right yeah um and where did it start you guys started in christchurch and moved your way down to snow park or no no we flew to queenstown picked up the campers or and queenstown base crew and made our way north right to yeah. chicha actually cool. just in mckenzie country and then back down all right yeah cool. um it's a good concept <clears throat> i miss stuff like that um you know it's, it's, i guess it's a bit harder now you don't have the was that would have helped massively having a, the distribution behind you with higher ground and yeah there's sort of thing, but i mean we have you know and listening to guys and thinking you know higher ground was awesome mm. but that passion's still there yeah you know we still have the people we're still getting aboard to carlos and helsinki or getting a newbie on a you know we still have the fantastic people albeit mm. um they're scattered around the world now because of how the world works mm. but marketing's changed eh? and mm. we're a 
we're, I, I would say as a brand, we're a bit crispier, a bit cleaner. You know, we have mm. brand goals. Yeah. Um, you know, back, like pissing on fences and probably the things we were saying and doing and drinking and it just doesn't fly anymore. Yeah. And so things have changed and we need to move with it. But I love when small brands come out and do disruptive campaigns like that. Yeah. Or even like Thrasher still does. They don't give a shit. But mm. like when you see cool marketing initiatives like that like i miss Mm. that um grassroots you know yeah activations and perhaps that's not really burton anymore but we are trying to get back to a spot where we do that Mm. because you might have heard about the open the um opens done now right yes i know you wanted to um so let me bring it up i guess it was a good segue talking about that um white line fever initiative we did um into modern day activations all the burton crap i say by the way just take it with a grain of salt because i'm just like i don't want to say anything i shouldn't so it's just uh it's just me kind of talking to jay yeah <laughs> jay is speaking on jay's behalf and that that is a exactly i'm not trying to put words in anyone's mouth because i am fortunate enough to know a lot of um senior people at Britain. But anyways, um, the Open got scrapped as part of, well, basically as a repercussion of COVID. Mm. I know that copped a lot of backlash. It was not long after Jake had passed. I think it was just a surprise because they've always been associated. Totally. Right. Mm. And actually, was it just after Jake had passed or or did he know? I think it was after Jake had passed. And then, um, yeah, we copped a lot of heat because it is, uh, you know, it's outside of like those kind of like institutional comps like X Games or Olympics or whatever. The Open was seen as like the comp at that, you know, at that elite level that perhaps was still pretty core. Yeah, it was extremely iconic. Yeah. Like a lot of people valued it. Mm. But, like, when you're on the inside like me, there's stuff they can't... There's stuff Burton International can't put on their Instagram. Yeah. Like, I know crew personally that tell me things like, you know, the resort needed uh, deposits for Ford bookings a year in advance, like they always had done, which Mm. was fine. But we're not talking a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. We're talking multi-millions, you know, big investments. Yeah. And Burton was in a position because of the pandemic, like not using the pandemic as an excuse, but like investing in that time, we're now staff, like people mm. are getting furloughed around yeah. the globe. Yeah. So chucking a few million bucks, they always waited to reserve some rooms at whatever chalet. Yeah. It wasn't going down, man. It yeah. really wasn't. And when you break, break it down like that, it's like, well, that's... there's there's mechanics there's mechanics that like are you know to the marketing and people judge us on the marketing which is Mm. fair enough like hold us accountable but there's only so much we can do yeah well when the gfc hit um a lot of the um subsidiary brands cost burton which was like the engine room so there was that but also I mean, come on. You think Jake's not a smart businessman? He could have sold for him and, Mm. you know, done pretty good for him Mm. and his family. It had a lot of equity behind it, even if it wasn't 
financially pumping. It was still a really well-known brand, established mm. brand. And what he do? He absorbed it. You know why? Oh, his is, oh, this has come out of his lips to me. Like, well, at a sales meeting, you know, mm. but like, um, he didn't want that shit to get gobbled up by a ski brand. Mm. Like, he's just taking responsibility. He brought yeah. this brand. It ran its course. It was a great time and movement and it was cool that Burton also had a part of forum's legacy yeah but then instead of like you know there's other things he's passed on but when it's something like forum that like a conglomerate would mm. buy and in a heartbeat and, and then because you look at all those ski brands dude and who owns them mm. i mean they're not owned by who you think they're like two mm. minutes on google will tell you who owns brands out there and mm. that's what he was fearful of and then forum coming back as like a diet coke version of itself or could do something. could turn yeah. up flipping anywhere so you know there's always mechanics behind these decisions and mm. on the on the surface the decision might not seem that cool mm. but you know there's this thought gone yeah. into them so we we sort of we, we stumbled upon this talking about grassroots things so is there a grassroots plan or something yeah like? yeah that's oh perfect thank you for asking yeah um, <clears throat> it's only just been launched it's called the mystery series the nuts and bolts are still a little vague um, but it is going to be like this kind of funnel where they have grassroots comps. I mean, I've seen the, the actual plan. There is a quite a detailed plan, but um, they need to tidy it up a bit to, 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 to be somewhere that a consumer can easily digest. Mm. It, but anyway, it's, it's a series that starts with grassroots events. It could be like, for example, it could be the stash gathering. Mm. Um, a te- the team pick a couple of standouts. That standout gets to go to the next step. And there's about four steps, but there is a very clear pathway to a pinnacle event. May or may not be called the Open, but there will be a pinnacle event. Uh, it'll be called some. It'll have something to do with mystery. So it's kind of based on like a surf, like they have the surf comps uh, stuff. Or? Loosely, loosely. I mean, it's pretty damn hard to get, and that's actually kind of a relevant thing to bring up because. The open was impossible to get into. Yeah. So was the WSL. Yeah. This is a true. This offers a true pathway. Like part of our brand goals now are around inclusivity and stuff. And so, like anyone listening to this, that you know, is like you know whatever, Burton, you got rid of the open. Like that's lame. The the open got that name from being this inclusive event where everybody dug a blooming half pipe, you know, a ditch out of a slope. and Which, that's Dylan's story. Yeah. Open and over the years, it lost its way because snowboarding, I guess, just grew. And um, Burton's, I don't want to say... But also the contest, the, the level. Like, you it's had insane. to operate at a certain level, otherwise... It's insane. You know, so um, it became like an invite comp, basically, and... Yeah, I don't want to say this is a substitute, but this is the way we're pivoting. We're, we're going to do a comp that is going to run all over the world and create a pathway to a pinnacle event. Don't get me wrong, it's going to be difficult. To, yeah. to get to that pinnacle event will be a miracle. But someone like Zoe five years ago, mm. that's who it's for, you know? Like yeah. the girl so, at Snowpa, or, you know, Snowpa so was closing. The, but this event is really got something where locals local riders can actually test themselves and see where they stand amongst things 
Well, conceivably, is that yeah. where, what this? It's tricky. We could we could go deep. There there are different layers, mm. and as you go up the layers, it becomes more rigid in terms of the competitiveness. Mm. But in the early layers, it's actually very impression based. Um, you know, judged by peers, style, participation, fun, because mm. it kind of goes from like a grassroots event to more like a festival kind mm. of event and then start stepping into a couple of pinnacle yeah, layers higher level yeah and i might have butchered that a little but yeah the the the, the key takeaway i got because this is all very fresh and we've only just been updated was that it is a true pathway for some a couple of lucky shredders mm. you know um it'd be like wild carding for you know like so it's almost like the the open when it started the the ethos around that in a, in a way, yeah. I mean, I guess back then, if you were a snowboarder, you just packed your bags and went to the East Coast of America, right? And turned up yeah. and partied. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this does provide a true access way for somebody to rub shoulders with the elite. Mm. And will we be seeing an event in the Southern Hemisphere with this? That's the intention. Um, it, it really is. But um, some things we front foot the US and some things we don't. And... This will wait and see how it plays out in their season first. Yep. So we'll make a decision around our season a little later, okay. which is kind of good. <clears throat> cool. While we're talking about changes in Burton, um, there'll be a, a couple of listeners <clears throat> will uh, be curious if you have any uh, any uh, enlightenment on the um, move of Terrier and Burton no longer working together, because that's such an uh, that's a pairing that. We've always been like, well, like yeah. fish, fish and chips, Terry and Burton. It's all, yeah. Like, you know, why wouldn't it be? You know, like, yeah. I know, I know Terry, and um, that's sorry, that's a shitty way to start that. But I, I uh, have a relationship with them, and Guy had a even better one, and he's mm. he's he's friends of Burton, New Zealand, and spent a lot of time here. You know, mm. um, in fact, this was kind of like his old stomping ground, especially Meth Van Halley. Yeah, and. And, and, you know, I know the company. And so it was a shame to see them part. I still have not seen, like, a press release or anything. So I'm mm. kind of making things up. So putting probably putting words in, in people's mouths. So apologies to anything I butcher. But anyway, um, I can go deep on this, man. I kind of love this. I'm a, I'm, mm. a, I'm a little bit of a snowboard nerd, and... I had lots of calls. I had people calling me out, bloody Dogger and um, Ed Lee and Alti. <laughs> Man, I had to face them all. I think if I could Holy face, to face, think if I could face well. those three, I, sh- yeah. I feel like maybe they formed a, a New Zealand Terrier representative panel. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I mean, to a, to a certain generation, he is everything i mean yeah and i had was, to learn from that you know, like, like dogger school dogger told me up man i i um it's easy to forget like i said i'm not a nostalgic dude when i come in snowboarding snowboarding was fundamentally kind of changing mm. i mean honestly idolizing terrier when i got into snowboarding was like kind of kind of old school mm. <laughs> i hate i'm sorry yeah. and, and and you know that come back in fashion and now old school dudes are the dudes but mm. when i first started it was snowboarding was breaking away from that sort of riding and but anyway that's that's irrelevant um nowadays what happened well who knows but should 
a brand sponsor, a rider forever. Um, you know, Izzy, Michael, Jordan. Mm. I have a pretty close link to sales in New Zealand. I'm the manager, and I don't think anyone's brought a board through me because, like, indirectly said it, this is because of Terry, eh? Like, mm. you know, it, it might have happened a couple of times on some throwback models, or yeah. and, and, it, and his name might have come up on development of things like the t6 or you know his uh, relevance in terms of uh translating to a sale was definitely probably not what it used to be before my time yeah so there's all those kind of questions come to mind that i kind of get that as hard it is for me to get that because terrier is um but like you compare when he had pro models like the harkin sword and the balance series yeah it was very obvious boards moving off the shelves because of his they've got his name on yeah. and i know a lot of people that would all like, bef- all before know. my time and we couldn't and, even move shit like that and, when i started but then for quite a while he hasn't actually had a board with his name on he's just been shaping like the fish series he had a lot to a family sort of tree stuff, yeah right? yeah and he's a- so is that harder to sort of compute now it's like oh we sold some family tree boards because of terrier or Oh, you know, he's a good guy and an idol and an icon, a legend, all that stuff. There's been so much said and written about Terry, but um, I just really ask those questions of you and maybe the listener, like, because that's the real world, like. But um, the other thing I was going to say, and this is me hypothesizing, like Mm. making shit up here, but, you know, I know Terry, I knew Jake, I know Donna. We are a family-owned company. It is pretty small. The way the carpenters roll with team is unbelievable. Like, it's an open-door policy. The team are always chilling at their house or traveling with the carpenter family. Like, it's so tight-knit because it it was in Jake's DNA. It's like what he lived for. Like, he put the team above all else. And so I just hope... And probably the lack of communication from Burton and Terry and stuff. I'm sure there's a reason, but it, it probably has added to the confusion but honestly dude i reckon donna would have called him explain what's going on it would have been pretty amicable perhaps they weren't stoked about it but Mm. they had a relationship Mm. and i just like to think that donna probably gave him a call and said this is what our marketing team or i you know donna's still the leader Mm. what i think and this is the direction we're going to go in and Mm. i i just honestly hope and think that that discussion took place mm. yeah uh, you know because it's funny perception versus reality man and i've always worked for this big brand and in action sports especially being a big brand can be a little like challenging at times mm. and you know some people still literally think that this fucking dude sat around a board table with ties making these decisions mm. like are you kidding me it's team i mean terry will have an agent and whatever you know people most, do, most writers do these people days, do so, things the yeah. right way i mean you know there'll be a contract or whatever or would have been but i still like to think that in our world these discussions are pretty personal yeah i think donna or someone would have reached out and yeah mm. That's what I like to hope anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Time will tell. I mean, we're just two nerds and wannaka speculating. Yeah, we're like everyone else so, now, right? There has mm. been a shitstorm and a teacup over this one. But do you know what, man? I follow like... I'm, I'm not like 
After snowboard season, I like to take a breath. I'm not the most engaged snowboarder out. I'll, I'll admit that. Like, I'm definitely not a diehard,er I'd get over it. Like, I love to skate and surf and everything else. Mm. But I'm pretty immersed. And one thing I thought was so funny, you know when the whole Terrier thing went down? There's a bit mm. of stuff on social media and the mm. internet and all. You know what was just as big? Young people fighting over what to call a kinked rail. Like, is it? two kinks oh, or is it four kinks then yeah. and all these like i mean social media is such a memes and but like that's kind of just how it is like mm. you got some old heads crying about terrier some young bucks fighting over whether it's called a double or a triple kink and i was like man it's kind of like everyone just chill out <laughs> shut up and go, yeah. go ride a I board mean, <laughs> what's important here yeah. like yeah yeah um anyway I'd... i think just the terrier thing like i said like it was quite a surprise for a lot of people because that was something that's it's always been a constant throughout my time riding a snowboard yeah and then so whenever something that's a constant is no longer a constant yeah you it is kind of like whoa fuck you know and yeah it's like suddenly if we stop having fish with chips we're like, what? Yeah, and I'm, <laughs> yeah. I am naive. Like, I'll admit it. Like, I, I watch this um, history of snowboarding every couple of years. It's, it's made by, this, I think it's an energy drink company or something called Burn. It's on YouTube. Mm. It's like an hour and a half long, and it is so good. Mm. Just to check in and be like, oh, that's like, you know, you, you, you got to know where you've come from to know where you're going, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a bit naive on some of that nostalgic side of things, and I apologize to ed and um dogger and ulti i I didn't i had nothing to do with the dropping of terrier and (laughs) i'm sure he'll be fine yeah same (laughs) well we've gone quite a bit away from new zealand so i'm going to stir this back to new zealand a little bit um the burton new zealand open which was um guy helped start that i'm assuming mirrored on the us open yeah um were you involved much with those competitions or i mean yes and no guys just a visionary like finally we took risks like that nowadays <laughs> pretty great i mean you were there he ran these things at a at a large scale <clears throat> we're talking i helped him get one of the um sponsorship deals with one of the alcohol companies a friend steve smith worked for at the time and we're talking big budgets people were chucking lots of cash to these things it was back when corporates wanted to be a part of what we had going on that growth and snowboarding and the hype around it and mm. um i was just so lucky to be along for the ride honestly it's a, a blur of parties and bad emceeing and uh hanging with the best riders in the world it was it was uh yeah, some of the best times of my life. Mm. And then the parties, like, I, I know I said parties already, but the parties at the after, the end parties that like guy would throw. Wanaka Center. Yeah. With shapeshifter and those I days. mean, yeah. you know, oh, you've just, you know, Harris, OTA, like, oh, you've just organized this amazing event. Um, why stop there? Let's have a women festival down in the, you know, Wanaka Center. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it was a trip to see, um, <clears throat> like, oh, I mean... It provided moments for me that I'll never forget, mm-hmm. and I've I was an outsider looking in, just standing on the side of the pipe. Same, but I'll never forget 
2009, going out on my lunch break just to watch the halfpipe because fuck it, you know, and watching Sean White do the first um, back-to-back doubles in the halfpipe competition mm-hmm. and realizing right then and there that we'd just watch fucking history go down and and halfpipe riding was never going to be the same. Yeah. And it was unreal to be like, well, I experienced that on my lunch break. Yeah. Because of Guy's vision. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, Burton was partly responsible <clears throat> because they had a Burton Open Global Series. But I think at its height, there was only like five events. And like, the fact New Zealand's one, I mean, as a market, we're like pretty insignificant. Yeah. <laughs> so like the fact that Guy got one here, it's just crazy. But mm. um, yeah, I, I totally agree. My favorite moment was... um when Mitchie Brown won. That's right. Yeah. Was, um, was that when it was at Snow Park? Yeah, it must have been the year before we went to Cardi's. Mm. And maybe the year before. This all blurs together, but maybe before he went to Olympics or before his accident. But it was gosh, just such a weird day. Like so, he, he might have even been... Yeah, I can't recollect perfectly, but it was like this kind of, you know... God hates comps, right? It's always shit weather at comps. Mm. Um, and it was kind of crappy that day. And for Mitchie's run, it was like the last run of the day or something. Like the sun just come out and just everything aligned. And um, he, he won fair and square. Like there was mm. no, you know, because comps are a little looser back then. But but he would have been against all the international dudes then as well, right? All, like, all the best. Yeah. Yeah, they're all here. Mm. In, in fact, back then, they there more would come than now. Like yes. snow park back then, you'd have every single best bike rider in the world guaranteed. Mm. Um, so yeah, he he it was just incredible. Yeah, it was good. So, so I mean, that's huge for him to win the open against those people. Yeah, you know, and yeah, unreal. And I liked guys one too. I. I for, can't believe I forgot about it. The one, the one year where they had the, the open at Cadrona, mm-hmm. and then the evening at Snow Park with like the quarter pipe jam or something. Yeah, it was just fucking hectic. I was like, trying to loosely MC that. It was pretty hard because a I don't really know uh, half pipe tricks that well, and b um, we didn't know the riders. Mm. We had the pros there. But then there's heaps of gurus just joining in, like Ollie Burke. And um, and it was pitch black, except for the quarter pipe, right? Yeah. So dudes had just come absolutely flying out of the dark and then hit this big pipe. And yeah, I was trying to think who was there, because back... Because I remember seeing like footage of like Rolly and Meadow Smith. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Rolly was hitting it, and mm. Dylan Butt. And a lot of guys that perhaps like, weren't doing half pipe, mm. but they could... Slay a quarter. Like, imagine Will and Tim would have been doing yes, amongst it as exactly, well. Yes, exactly, yeah. I just remember just being, like, we finished work, like, fuck, let's go. Yeah. All over. And just the energy was insane. Like, yeah. It was fucking awesome. Yeah, so. we talk about, I talk about that kind of thing at work still. Snowboarding was in such a healthy spot then. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, sort of that snow park era of, <clears throat> like, just around here like the culture was so healthy and mm-hmm. i think snow park was a big part definitely of that, which segues pretty perfectly into the next thing on the notes of snow, oh, park snow park and the, the culture around that like 
It I was, mean, it, it was such a pivotal moment in international snowboarding. Yeah. When it came on the scene. Yep, it was world class, right? And mm. thanks to Sam Lee and and some of the people he worked with, like he worked with Frank Wells, who went on to start Snowpack Technologies, and mm. you know um, he 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 made a good team. Yeah. Um, and he was yeah he's ahead of the game, and and to be honest, I feel like it's it's almost needed now because um you look at our it's, it sounds weird to say but our athletes mm. you know that, that having that sort of facility is um yeah. pretty key Cadrona does a pretty good job but that's also a busy resort for you know everyday consumers yeah. as well you know snow park now would be so popular i know people would go train there and hone their skills Mm. it's actually pretty cool to see around the rest of the world and what are we talking like 15 10 or 15 years later yeah but places like woodward park city yeah it's kind of like snow park it's yes. accessible it's convenient and, and and it's uh cheaper so that's snow park's legacy there right yeah i mean I, yeah hopefully I, I just you know sam was ahead of his time but um those kind of facilities for up-and-coming borders are you know it was a dream scenario mm. and there's been lots on your um podcast about it so i don't need to recover all that territory what was but your first impression when you rocked up your first time you went to snow park went around the corner parked in the car park and looked up yeah insane right like, and some of my favorite memories are seeing it like in twilight when the sun's going down but the lights are coming on mm. it's still a little slushy before it crisps up and you know like i said never been pro rider so just hitting that perspex box line man mm. every shape of like dinosaur all the way down around that back trail um just you know board side to press to front board to whatever just on every single different shaped mm. perspex obstacle was just and we still talk about it all the time because why don't resorts have heaps of perspex boxes all over the show anymore that's so fun mm. i mean remarks is pretty good actually remarks have a really creative little medium park yeah but a lot some parks are getting a bit heated <laughs> <laughs> no but i did like that box line because the chairlift didn't go over it because mm. i'm not uh i was i'm not nor have i ever been a phenomenal boxer rail rider oh how intimidating and, was jump line and so i liked it because no the chairlift wasn't going over so i could just be a coke and yeah not feel like that uh, <laughs> you know there's some really good riders up there Mm. and um yeah just great but you know um i listened to the bomb hole but i'm sure your listeners do too um you know it's come up several times snow park Mm. and the funniest thing you know what's most famous for right that's it that's all the ken block jumping oh that's yes like that has cemented snow park and mm. snowboarding history yeah. that cover shot with torstein and ken and the fact that people still go on about it that's so rad yeah <laughs> and i think they're tripping because it wasn't closed like the whole the whole place was still open to the public and they were just doing that thing in that part of the snow park or some shit mm. yeah it just gives us you know I new mean, zealand that kind of loose reputation I mean, but dean hunt talks about that in his one. Oh, really and this okay. coming out pretty soon um about how he was like making aioli in the kitchen and watching that all go down Yo, like dean this, worked in there with know. um tom yeah yeah and they were both skaters in christchurch yeah so there's a 
closed loop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, when Higher Ground finished, um, did that? How did that work for you? you? You became the sole Burton guy, or what was? Yeah, and you know, um, it was a tricky time because we all um, were a tight group of, you know, a tight group. And, uh, you know, it was, yeah, it was upsetting, but, Mm. um, things change and guys covered that and it's worked out, you know, for the best for him and Cheryl. I mean, they are killing it now and we're all still great mates, but, you know, I I went to the pub with the, (laughs) with the team and, um, we had a beer or two and, um, my phone rang and it was uh, Darren Solway, who's the GM of Burton Australia. And at that time, Burton Australia was already Burton. Um, and he asked if I would uh, work for, for them, for Burton. So New Zealand now is just an extinction of the global arm of Burton. I, I have a, I'm like an agent. I have a little uh, <coughs> company set up, mm. but I just contract to, uh, Burton and work really closely in with their framework mm. and i um yeah so so things are quite vertical now and and uh there's no real middleman it's quite mm. fluid and that that happened all over the world at that time so there was a few things against guy in those late days but um you know i i i when it happened i did kind of see it as um Perhaps this is a future anyhow, mm. because um, distribution companies and all sorts of um, industries were um, ceasing to exist, basically. Mm. And, you know, the growth of the internet, people could do things remotely. I could run around and facilitate sales for Burton and we can have a customer service team in Australia or whatever. It, it, it did make mm. sense. So, so, so Australia is sort of the hub now yeah things coming in just sort of sure is and they report to we're part of the apac group so asia pacific and then they report to someone at 80 industrial in Mm. vermont so it's 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 a small world now we hear from you know everyone donna john lacey the new ceo we hear from them them a lot and it's quite Mm. a it's a small world it's nothing like what it was when um guy and all these guys all over the world had these distribution companies just mm. going nuts and doing cool events and stuff but yeah it's just progression right mm. but i think that's like in new zealand like most brands snowboard wise are following that route you could the snowboard side things yeah skiing's old school still all yeah. distributors but um don't know how they do it but in snowboarding it's basically all kind of like an agency style setup or, or mm. ver- very vertical, like less intermediaries. Mm. Yeah, and so, you know, my pathway, I just put down to dumb luck because I, um, you know, I didn't always want to go the places uh, Guy sent me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I say that like he didn't really send me, but, um, but I did and my flexibility and kind of resilience and my my uh ability just to to roll with the punches Mm. is probably how i somehow slipped through because there were plenty of people at higher ground um or elsewhere that are you know smarter than me or more you know equipped than me that 
potentially could have been given the nod for that job or whatever and even you know different promotions before it but um I just kind of rolled with it and took everything in my stride and you know I didn't always like wouldn't say I had the foresight guided sometimes but um I got shit done and yeah so it was really cool for Britain Australia to reach out to me like that and now we're here yeah and so that sort of resulted in you moving to Wanaka well we had we had just moved and that was it was good and bad I mean it cost going share a lot I guess to move the uh distribution oh, so higher ground moved to Wanaka yep, first they moved the right. distribution company and so that was unfortunate because you can imagine the expense in that yeah and then um and then it you know changed uh, models but you know, in hindsight, everything happens for a reason, right? I mean, look at mm. how Guy and Cheryl are doing now. And, mm. you know, we're all so stoked not to be in crime church. <laughs> no, yeah. no offense to my Christchurch mates. Um, yeah, but we're, you know, it's pretty sweet down here. Burton NZ today, who's, um, <clears throat> you've got some crew working with you or? In- I mean, it's streamlined, right? Um, it was, you know, I scooped up Rory straight mm. away for a bit. Um and like talk about smart dudes like he is a guy that should be running the show but all i was uh, lucky enough to do was get him before him yeah. um but eventually he started having a family and wanted to uh move to the beach that worked for a little bit and then um and then we split split ways but um after him i hired um young chick called Kaylee. She's 24 at the time. Um, she's a little remarkable ripper and like everyone knows her now, she's growing in her role and is pretty independent now and is awesome. Like so I, what's, what's Kaylee's role? She's a sales rep. Oh, right. She's the road warrior really. Mm. Um, we share a lot, like probably more than like a guy and me relationship. Like it's a lot what Kelly and I do, there is a lot of crossover. So is there no team asshole now? I mean, Kaylee's down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. This year, we still team carry, we carry the legacy. Team. And you know why? I mean, Jake, mm. the biggest asshole of them all. <laughs> like, yeah, we, we're going to talk about him, right? But he, yeah. he, uh, We'll get into that later, but yeah, we, we live that that um, ethos. Because he always had this thing about flipping the camera off or some shit, right? Yeah, so oh, yeah. still, every, oh man, sometimes it's so bad. Like every video premiere or whatever, the family's all there doing the fingers to the cameras. Like, yeah, they they hold on to that rebellious mm. side of snowboarding. But anyway, um, yeah, Britain's in good hands. Uh, Kaylee identifies well with the younger generation, uh, mm. it's nice to have a female on board balances us out because we're a team of two mm. and then there's like 20 of us in Aussie in all sorts of departments you've met some of them when they come to New Zealand um, you know marketers and stuff um, but it's still full of incredible people with good passion you know mm. it's still got like the soul is still there so mm. as much as there's been so much rad chat around higher ground on your podcast and I just love all the memories um 
still feel so fortunate to be involved in what we're up to nowadays it's just yeah. things have changed bit of a burton ad this podcast sorry for any burton haters <laughs> out there i mean i do appreciate all snowboarding we could talk other brands we, we, like... can't, we, can't, we can't have you on and burton not come up sorry if this is an ad um Okay, so you, you mentioned him before, the biggest asshole of them all, Jake, who also was one of the forefathers of our culture. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's got to be a trip, right, to hang out with the dude yeah. that we're kind of, we all, whether whether you ride Burton or not, we all owe something to that guy. Well, he's just had a hand in it all, yeah. Yeah. He's pretty, he um, was pretty modest about it, but yeah, he's had a hand in the whole lot. But, but I, I like to share my stories about Jake because um, it's pretty special and it's for sharing. Like I was lucky enough to meet the dude several times and hang out with him personally and I've been to his house and the Stone Heart and Hallie with him and all these... Sorry, I'm, I'm skiding here, but like mm. I feel a duty to share that because he's a pretty special human to any snowboarder. Mm. Um, like you say, he's been instrumental in where snowboarding is now. Um, and you know, his history is pretty well documented, but what I like to tell people and yeah, I don't know, hopefully Donna doesn't listen to this, <laughs> but, um, so he was a bit like guy, um, mm. very generous, like really generous. Um, he, but he was pretty humble, mm. like pretty, you know, um, well-spoken and, and, and bold around, um, a smaller circle, particularly people he knew well, mm. but around a larger group, pretty humble, really like took care to listen to others and, and learn their names. And, um, to the extent where if he was going somewhere and I've done this for him several times, I'd have to send him a list of everyone's names because he hated, you know, he's met thousands of Burton dealers all around the world mm. and one of his biggest hates was going into a meeting with someone who's like hey hey Jake blah 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 and kicks off a conversation and Jake can't remember their name yeah um so he always liked to be on the front foot with that because he had a lot of respect for people mm. um he was obviously good at business and he always surrounded himself with people who were also good at business and you know whether it was people you know Burton's been through many um <clears throat> versions and I've been lucky enough to coast through you know get through a, a, a lot but he'd always like um sometimes I'd be shrewd businessmen always snowboarders but sometimes I like kick-ass dudes sometimes people didn't you know he he always he, he needed um bad cops is what mm. I'm trying to say so because he's he he is capable of making those decisions but in the position he was in he's kind of like good cop I guess mm. So he, 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 was, he was a good businessman. He knew how to form a very good team, uh, the guys that would get shit done. And then lastly, the thing that I like to share about him is um, he was a fucking rock star. He really was. I mean, he, he is, he's like us, dude. He was making the biggest decisions ever in snowboarding by day, and then he wants to go out with the team at night mm. and really live his life 100%. And that's what I mean when I say he was a rock star. And like when it got to the end and everything he'd been through, it was like, you know, it was tough, of course. And, you know, sorry to even be saying this to Donna and all, but like he'd 
had his nine lives. Mm. He like if you lived like Jake and peaced in your sixties, you're gonna be content because mm. he um he he did it. He did it right. Mm. And um you know a lot of people only saw the polished version of Jake because he was um a bastion of our sport or whatever whatever cheesy insert cheesy term here. But he was also a true rock star. And that's why he always you know he doesn't want to hang out with sales nerds like me. That's why he's always surrounded by a team. How do you mm. think those guys roll? You yeah. know, whatever's going down. He was in the mix. Yeah. Sometimes it's like kind of it's like that's why they call him like their dad. Sometimes like it's always like Danny McMorris and all the crew, and then Jake. Yeah. <laughs> like, but like Jakey boy, what are you up to? Like, yeah, he's just such a rock like, he star. He backed his riders, right? Like, like Terrier decided, and it was very famously documented to boycott the Olympics, and he backed Terrier. But also backed his writers that wanted to go to the Olympics too. Yeah, and so I mean, the you know, like I guess it's a, a writer-driven thing. Or, oh man, like, like you know, <clears throat> it, again, at the risk of sounding cheesy, you can't believe like all the pressure from sales guys in the world wouldn't curb one of Jake's decisions if the team were adamant. Like yeah. if the team says it has to be this way, then more often than not, it was that way. Mm. yeah that was who he trusted most like you know because people like me would we're biased he pays us yeah. you know we tell him the right things mm. um i guess team whereas like uh honesty you know yeah. like t- team were team were the ones that pulled him up team gave him shit you know like yeah. he had a really special relationship with the team and that was cool to see, and he and it kept he kept it relevant. I mean, you think of all the team writers he knew well before I was around, mm. and yet he's still homies with Zoe and Carlos. Yeah, like how do you do that through all the generations? Stay relevant with your, you know, with your team. Some, it's pretty cool. I mean, you're over twice your age, or yeah. I mean, I don't, ones. you know, it's yeah. just a special thing. Mm. I guess there's not many other sports you can relate that to. I guess maybe surfing can be a bit like that because there's that, and, and it's starting to come through in skating a bit now too, where you've got like older. I oh know there seems to be that sort of. No, you're right. There's the, about three generations worth, and there's a bit, but it's not the board sports. You because know, because like, I hear Al Merrick's a bit like that. Mm. You know, and he owns Channel Island Surfboards. That's who Slater rides for. It's like. Mm. Well, did sorry, doesn't anymore. But it's like, yeah. yeah. And I think that's been around in surfing for longer than it's been in skating and snowboarding. Totally, you're right. Yeah, they're probably, it, yeah, it's probably a board sports thing. Mm. Just leaving that Jake conversation, it was, mm. it was cool to see all, like, to get to know the dude well enough to see all the sides of him. I guess is what mm. I was saying. And pretty one special thing I did. He was leaving New Zealand once, and I got this um, Jake poster thing. It was a bit more than the post. It's framed in that. But uh, he wrote a note to Archie, my son. Right. Yeah, it was right before he died. And so that was cool. And also um, Donna, um, you know, in terms of a team, like, that, that just so incredible together. And, again, mm. that's well documented. But tell you something pretty cool Donna did last time she was here. Uh, my friend Jeremy Hill runs Tattoo Studio Otatahi mm. in Queenstown. Yeah. Yeah, so Donna got like a mouldy 
um, tattoo right here on her forearm. Mm-hmm. Her first tattoo, like boom, on the arm. Yeah. I hooked it up and it was just like so sick. I was like, yeah, Donna, it's rad. Right, <laughs> Sweet. Man, that's, that's cool. Like, there's a lot of people like, I've never met the dude. And that's, you know, always been a big part of my yeah. life, you know? And yeah. So it's, it's cool that hear these stories. Yeah. Know, well, um, that documentary, Dear Rider, mm. is, um, it's on its way, and uh, that's going to be pretty rad. Yeah, yeah I can't I wait to see I think it's going to be a little, uh, like, pull at the heartstrings a little bit. Mm. Not necessarily like a snowball movie as such, but um, hopefully kind of like an award-winning doco, and it's going to be mm. on, like, streaming services and stuff. It's owned by studios. It's right. definitely, it's not, like, we don't own it. And right. um, so I just hope that it finds its way to lots of people because I think Jake's pretty rad to share, you know? Mm. Yeah. So, like, being the Burton guy, the boots on the ground, you've had your fair share of international riders come through. Got any sort of moments that stick out with your interaction with some of these world's best when they come through? Oh, man. I wish my memory served me better and I could share a whole bunch of cool stuff. Dylan had some cool stuff. But, yeah, you're right. I've been lucky enough to uh, meet a bunch of crew. Mm. And I would say, like, you know, just never know. Like, a lot of the young punks I've met back in the day are now some of the world's best writers and respected pros and Mm. would... You know, I consider us like friends or at least good enough for a DM every now and again. Mm. So, um, yeah, you just never know, you know. Mm. And it's, a, it's it's cool to see the growth in people like that and it's kind of a lesson right there. But, um, yeah, visiting stories. I mean, I always liked the downtime with the team. Mm. Um, you know, I can't keep up on hell. Um, yeah. But it's nice chilling with them and taking them skating and just enjoying Wanaka or other spots in New Zealand and that was always a kind of a highlight for me that's when we would you know when you'd relate because I remember seeing a picture of like you and Danny Davis going splitboarding out the back of Kadron and I was like oh that's fucking great yeah like what I wouldn't give to be oh he's chill yeah. he'd do that with anyone and mm. he he's on the same team as Joss Dragon so we mm. you know we all we always combo up he's he's yeah he's a GC he mm. loves New Zealand he he Thanks to him, actually, was, you know, the team used to come to Wanaka every year, and he's one of the driving, he just loves snowboarding. Mm. He always wants to be on snow, so, yeah, and he's just the world's funniest man. A event I forgot to ask you about, I'd like to ask you about, was the Burton Stash Gathering at Remarkables. Yeah, um, it's pretty special. Yeah, well, it's, it's been, you know, the, again, it looks like one of those sort of grassroots events that you can just show up and be a part of. It is. Yeah. It really is. And um, the stash must be, I think, 12 years old now. Mm. Oh, wait, they were in Ina show. Yeah. Mm. And pretty awesome opening. You know, it's that whole, like, um, organic style park, like mm. natural features, natural terrain, um, you know, kind of fits in with the environment. Um you know, it's 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 a tricky area to ride because it's mm. kind of fuses natural features with maybe even like a bit of free riding, depending what the snow's like. You know, it might mm. be icy, might be powder, and then towards the end of the season, the 
boys always have it fairly groomed. Mm. Um, anyway, I'm getting off track. Every year we have a stash gathering. It's an easy concept. It's a Barbie and some prizes and some fun on the snow. The boys at um, the Remarks Terrain Park, Brian and his crew, Connor and all them, they um, pull together a unique park for us every year. And honestly, the winner is just kind of the dude or, or woman um, who goes the hardest all day. Like you don't have to do the best tricks just like, you know, it's pretty easy to like, okay, watch who's shredding. There's always about 50 to a hundred people mm. watch who's hanging out in the zone. What like kind of see wh- where everyone's levels at. So does the zone consist of the whole stash or just a few features? No, nah, we stash? usually make it hikeable. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. More than a few features, but hikeable mm. people do lap, but uh, to, to take a rest or whatever. But Ideally, um, it's kind of the zone where everyone can hang out. Yeah. And um, so it's in the middle there where it kind of, you know, bubbles out, bowls out. Um, yeah, and then we just kind of, it's collective, man. We ask the park crew and the team riders and whoever's just been, you know, personally pushing it the best mm. wins. And we usually give them a board. I think Liam Wiley's won like twice. Like him and yeah. Sam Christie and probably JJ back in the day. Um, but those kind of guys that just turn up and they're not really like comp guys. They love a unique feature. And so they'll just mess around with their little crew and film each other. And sometimes you wonder if they even know there's an event going on. Yeah. But they just like get after it. Mm. That's really inspiring. So those other type of riders that take away the stash gathering and it's nice to um have that on offer as a like a bit of an alternative to you know some of the comps that you see elsewhere mm. yeah i mean it, it sort of fits in with we say very similar things about the mini pipe and <coughs> the coronet bank slalom and the mount hut bank slalom. yeah so it's nice that there's almost these <clears throat> things happening individually yeah that are these um accessible events yeah still Totally. And, um, and someone was, dis- oh, Heiner was describing the stash gathering to me when he was over here. Mm-hmm. I was like, fuck, I've got to go and fucking check it out. He was like, saying this year, it was like just these red mounds of snow and volcanoes and shit. I was like, oh, fuck, that's, that's yeah. really Yeah, you know, COVID. We, they did have a nice oh, park. Um, maybe it was last year or whenever the last It's always was, cool. Yeah. And we did try to do it again this year. And I, it might be in one of Rowley's, um transfer edits, but... Uh, it was a bit of a non-event, yeah. Couldn't pull a couldn't pull a crowd together. We've we've talked about Nick Brown and Nick Hine a bit. Um, you run you've run pretty tight with those dudes and the what what is essentially or was the Dero crew for yeah. a while. I I guess I you're you're pod, you're doing a podcast interview with some of them, right? Yeah, yeah. Is well, it a secret I, or can you say or what? No, well I've had Heiner on already. Yeah, and I have um, Heath Patterson. Coming I mean, his on, will so. be the best ever. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to ask half of my notes. It's like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I was just traveling to Queenstown at the time when those guys were rolling that show. Um, lucky enough through, yeah, probably Browner because he was on team to get to know them all. And we're all the same age, albeit they were, um, you know, they were all kind of sponsored snowboarders, so they were really good. Um, but um, could, you know party with them and stuff and even then you're just hanging on um yeah, yeah. i mean there's, there's 
looked like their enthusiasm for partying was about as high as their enthusiasm for snowboarding. Oh, I like, miss it. I think Queen, it was, again, it was healthy. Like, Queenstown needs a scene like that. Like, it's kind of what's happening in mountain bike. I want it to come back in, um, in snowboarding because it was such mm. a rad time. But anyway, we're all the same, mate. We're all got kids. We all hang out now. We've all been to each other's weddings and mm. we do kids snowball camps and it's like <laughs> now we do like growing up shit and um yeah so really lucky to uh to be part of like the journey with those guys but um i'll leave their stories to their podcast because um you know they they did it right i i wish actually of, often i think because you know going back to start of our yarn i'm from Greymouth, moved to christchurch and went snowboarding with a couple of dudes who knew how to do it because mm. we were skaters so I was like, my I, my my field of vision was pretty narrow. Mm. Those Dero guys, they were going. I I, I asked them to this day because I'm like genuinely interested. I'm like, why? How did you go there, dude? How did you have that initiative? Like people like Heath Blair, Roll. You know, you know the crew. Mm. But they were like going to spots where the world's best were filming. They were hearing mm. about rail gardens and pyramid gap and grizzly gulch and and they were traveling on the smell of an oily rag and and getting it done yeah and right. so they were so legit hmm. well I, I showed morgan schofield um Rolly's dero parts mm-hmm. and he was like oh that's a nate boson spot and that's a, I was like what yeah because like, those what? guys as, you know? as much as they were just party animals they were also like true snowboard nerds you know mm-hmm. they were getting after it and yeah, I guess. And operating on a high level, I mean, how's Rolly's story about Pyramid Gap? Like, you know, that's well, still one of the massive, and they accidentally built it bigger than it usually gets built. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's. Did yeah, Rolly say? I can't remember the name. It's like it's got a weird name, like Dero Messed Up Session or something. But there's a whole YouTube clip of those oh, guys. Hectic Pyramid Session. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, Brown and Back tens it. Well, yeah, yeah, they all, I think, yeah, they go short, they go over, someone does a 10, then somebody, like, can't make the run-in. Mm. I don't know, my memory's not good, but um, the boys are just so hectic. Mm. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, the whole Dero side, I mean, yeah, you pry mm. the stories out of them because it is amazing. Mm. <laughs> well, I found my old Dero DVDs not too long ago and um uh, bits and bits bits and pieces and the intro to that is so fucking rad it's like man snowboarding is not doing it like this these days and you know it's a bit like when we talked about snow park like um like it or lump it um snowboarding is a sport now Mm. it's normalized people do it with their kids Mm. snowboarding is bigger think i'm accurate when i say this and i know at least from the new zealand sales point of view snowboarding's as big or bigger than it's ever been mm. um it's just the participation's done in a different way mm. so it is which it's yeah we get nostalgic about those mm. rad so two things like it's still healthy it's just different that's the mm. first thing but the second thing is like how lucky were we to go live through those eras? Mm. Like, well, <laughs> to come up with, like, forum guys as my idols, and <laughs> it's just insane. Like, like, you can't even tell people about that I now. Think I, the thing I say with, like, in a few episodes, like, with Snowpark, like, how I took it for granted at the time, and I was actually over it. 
yeah. and oh, all the cool guys and all that bullshit, you know? Yeah. And now looking back, it's like, man, how lucky was I? Well, at, no, not how fortunate I was. That's right. To actually be around that. Well, because skating had done it. Mm. You know, I, I can't understand old school skate. And I can't even really understand old school snowboard, but I was definitely there for a pretty special time in snowboarding's mm. journey. Yeah. Whereas now, you know, mainstream, Olympics, all of it, uh, like I said, like it or hate it, it is it is what it is. And um, it's uh, it's just in a different spot. It's crazy. We were um, kind of related to that. You know, I, was, I saw on... Um, you were on my skate gang. I had uh, in the Dolphins. I had yeah, uh, yeah. I saw um, you know Street League was yeah, on. I'm probably the least active member of the Dolphin group. It's <laughs> all right. You're but. still you're not booted from the chat just yet. Mm. But I saw Street League was on, and so um, I invited the the lads around home and had some beers. We all tuned into Street League, and um, you know Archie was there, and I was like, you know, I said to the boys, I was like this is our opportunity to be footy heads. Like, mm. how cool, man. We get to sit around and watch, like, skating, the best skating. Um, I mean, sure, you could do that with a a, a section or a part, mm. but, like, the whole, like, live sport thing is pretty cool, and our mm. sports are doing it now. Mm. Whereas when we started, that was kind of, like, the worst enemy of our sports. Mm. Like, I, I think you've got both camps now. You've got, like, the video part yeah camp and the sport camp and they're and funnily they're, enough they're both though, as relevant as each other and what well, a lot of those top guys do both mm. you know, yeah all ships rise with the tide yeah yep yeah. and if, if it's uh if more people are interested in snowboarding or participating in it because they saw you know sean white with his 26 inch stance on the in the olympics <laughs> then you know all bear like it's mm. you know if it brings more resources into the sport and helps us like prosper mm. then yeah and i know not everyone would agree with that but it's kind of inevitable but, right it's progression oh man you know pat bridges had this amazing quote recently people pay to do what we get paid to do yeah that's how lucky we are mm. people pay to do what we get paid to do think about that for a minute yeah like what we take for granted and and then you know i've got good friends that you know, live in the cities, work their asses off, and whatever. But when they coming down here to the mountains and do a trip to go snowboarding, it costs them a fortune. Mm. And and you're going regardless of the weather. Yeah, you know, and, and exactly. And the other people and that drive and that like, luckily our sports are that um, addictive. Mm. That like. You know that fuels the industry. You know, mm. um, people spending their hard-earned money to mm. do trips to the mountain, and yeah, and, mm. and keeping on coming back. Um, so yeah, that's, it's that's, definitely not our crew. <laughs> like, yeah, that's something that I try and remind myself every season is. But like, we're very fortunate to be able to. Oh, it's a bit shit weather out there today. I'm not going to go out today. I'll go out tomorrow. Totally. You know. Yeah, that's why that no. punter term sucks. They're newbies. And, yeah. um, you know, every one of those newbies jumping off the bus at Kajona and clogging up the road, they're, mm. um, you know, they're helping our industry. So, mm. um, What is Dark Sky Snow Camp? Oh, that is just me being a geek. That is, um, it's, it's honestly, it is all the Deros. Yeah. We've all got families now. Um, 
and one thing that I'm fortunate enough to have with all my like-minded friends is like, you know, we're all pretty outgoing. So we go camping in winter. A lot of us have caravans, so we're not really camping. So mm. we're not. Don't worry, we're not roughing it too much. But um, this year we had over twenty kids and over twenty adults at Oha for a weekend, and um, you know, it's it's about snow and and just getting the kids um confident and and you know both on snow and socially and hanging out with all the other little buddies and just running wild basically and um but we do like other little like activities on the side and it's just a i don't know i did this i call it a christian camp (laughs) (laughs) it's a bit like that well not that i've been invited on a christian camp but um i imagine it's pretty wholesome tony Mm. Well, I mean, it looks like a... Coin. Ages and stages. But I branded it. Like, the kids get T-shirts, and I made <laughs> bottles to the adults. And, you know, we have, like... I gave a prize out this year to um, Tim Shaw, ripped his pants, climbing a rail, saving his baby from falling off a roof. So he won, like, some sort of camp prize. And, yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> well, I mean, by the looks of your social media, it involves, like, ollieing slow signs for the most part. And even even better done when your kids are watching. Yeah, car park barbies and chips <laughs> for sure. Yeah, rad. And um, <clears throat> how's it holding down three board sports over forty? Oh man, that is my jam, and I'm terrible at it, but I love it, and I never want to stop. And every season, when each season rolls around, like. I, my froth gets so high for the next board sport. Yeah. <laughs> I could never do a single board sport year round. That's kind of cool, though. They could right? go like, insane. Everything's fresh. Like, I'm like, always like, just as, trying as to retrace your, my steps. Your perspective, though. Like, and not regress too much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always just relearning. But yeah, when this time of year, I'm so pumped on skating. Mm. You know, it starts getting hot. I, I want to go get some waves. And then. Um, you know, cools down, of course, like get me in the mountains mm. and yeah, I, I, but I like, I want to do my best at each sport over 40. Like yeah, I, who doesn't though? Yeah. But I love, I still love clipping up. I'm like mm. a grommet. Like I, I still like, you know, I'll get someone to follow me with my camera and chuck a trick on my Insta story or whatever. Like, just like, mm. I love the process. But, but that's kind of cool. You have something to show for it too. Cause like, yeah. I mean, this yeah. shit, dis- it's just on my story. But I, I do, like, um, I set little goals or little challenges, and I, um, you know, it is harder. Uh, and mm. so I have to stay fitter or, or you know, just mm. try to be a little bit more focused or whatever. Mm. But um, I love it. I love the process. So I swear every November I'm back to square one with skating again. Well, like, same. You know, it's I mean, it's like, impossible. Yeah. It takes me, like, three days to get K-Grinds back. <laughs> um but i just yeah i'm so into processing i never want to stop and having kids has re-energized that yeah. process because archie's skating now yeah he's skating and snowboarding he's six and um how was how was that moment his first drop in yeah it was cool like, but i mean he's i'm a terrible mentor because i want to do me <laughs> i'm selfish and he he is just such a natural. He just picks up on it. He's pretty fearless. Mm. And um, actually, if I t- 
tell him how to do something, you guarantee he's going to do the opposite. So <laughs> classic, classic um, kid and dad relationship. There, yeah. Right? So yeah. Um, I just bring him along and let him go. It's pretty organic, and I, yeah, I, I think that's a good way to do it. Mm. So you've been with Burton for quite a while. Seventeen years. Seventeen years. Yeah. Um, how do you go about maintaining the motivation or the longevity with? Um, with with that, is yeah. Thanks. I I do want to share that. I um, firstly had to roll with the punches in a few different roles at Burton. Um, when I say punches, they were friendly, like yeah, good roles. But um, every time guy gave me something new to do, um, I did it. And uh, so I did. The job was basically the same, but my title changed a few times and had to adapt. And um, that kept things interesting. And then I've been with Burton Australia now for eight years and definitely learned a lot from um, the people I work with daily there. Like, mm. people way smarter than, than me. But um, also, I'm just a big fan of goal setting and personal development. And especially, I'm just aware that I've done the same thing for so long. And I feel so fortunate to be at Burton, but I don't also don't want it to be like this kind of hindrance if I was to change mm. in the future you know not that i'm planning that but or not that i'm even insecure about that but i just i like to keep moving forward mm. so you know i've done things in the background like just a couple of years ago i went and did a certificate in um financial advisory and then i backed that up with a degree in business and and, and that had a major in sustainability and it's just the process of continuing to learn. Sometimes mm. I think, you know, that it's just in me. I just can't sit around. Mm. And I think that's what's kept me so interested in snowboarding, like riding for so long as well. That kind of like, I just want to keep moving forward and learning because because I'm such a coke, I'm always learning. I'm mm. always like, honestly, even this season on closing day, I was hiking a rail. To There was a goal I had to achieve before the end mm. of the season, which was... Uh, board slide 270 off a urban setup steel bar oh yeah and you know i'm bloody 41 years old up there hiking this rail getting tips from um jack and the park crew because it's closing day and i wanted to hit tick my little imaginary goal but i just set myself little um goals and yeah it's one of the ways i just keep moving forward i guess just try, mm. try to stay motivated you know um so yeah whether it's riding or any or you know uh personal or professional development mm. i like to I, I like to keep it going I, it could be running a marathon you name it if i i just like to always have a challenge actually mm. yeah sort of... i guess it is that challenge but like it could be big or small or fun or or something serious and mm. but i like to break it down and get after it yeah. Yeah, it's what I do. Like um yeah, I like to I like to smash a goal. I really do. I, I know that sounds cheesy, sorry, you know who's listening to this, but um thinks I'm but anyway, that's yeah, it's it's in me. Do you have any advice for aspiring shredders? I thought you'd ask this. Of course you would. I'm the Burton guy. <laughs> but you know it's so tough now. Like mm. I said, the kids are ripping before they've even finished primary school mm. so 
I thought about like this might be a bit cheesy, but I thought about what I'd say to my kids or mm. do with my kids, and actually what I am doing with my kids. And this is not great advice, probably, but I think you should just be yourself. <laughs> the reason is okay. Do you know the reason? Like the nuts and bolts of that statement. People are doing tricks now higher than the year I was born. Mm-hmm. People spin over nineteen eighty. <laughs> That's fucked up. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Like, so what's Archie going to have to do in ten years' time? So, mm. getting to an elite level in snowboarding is going to be super challenging. Mm. But um, if you look back over history, it's not always the best snowboarders that have had the longevity in their careers. Mm. It's the ones that consumers and fans identify with. Sometimes it's the best people. Yeah, if you've got the right attitude and the right style and you're someone that other people identify with, that's what carries a professional Mm. snowboarder, in my opinion. Sure, winning medals definitely helps. Yeah. But, like, someone like Danny, who's, like, you know, in my opinion, um, the snowboarder's favorite snowboarder, Mm. that's all down to attitude. Mm. So, yeah, just be yourself. You reminded me of an interview in um, uh, Skateboard Magazine with Scott Bourne, where, and this is a long time ago now, like mid-2000, he was saying, like, being good doesn't mean anything now because everyone's good. It's yeah, how, it's how you do things. It's kind of true, and, and how you carry yourself. Yes, yeah. it's totally true. You know, it's like I mean, Dane at, Reynolds and surfing. Mm, or, well, look, we'll look at like Rocco Jameson. Exactly. Like, okay, he is good. Yeah, there's plenty of other peers his age that are as good, but the way he carries himself. Yeah, I just yeah. like an I like I like an individual. Mm. I guess that resonates with a lot of us in board sports and. Yeah, I hope that the world doesn't uh, water down the rock stars too much, you know? Yeah. Need more of them. You'd have to ask people like Rocco, like, who are they looking at? Yeah, you but know? I mean, they're like, looking at the Dustbox kids. Yeah. Or they're looking at maybe Zeb Pal. Mm. Or anyone who's like, you know, the rock stars yeah, are still know? out there. Yeah. And that's what I mean, like, be yourself, be an individual and just shine. Mm. Um, and hopefully others pick up on that. Yeah, I know it's kind of cheesy advice, but the actual pathway of whole coach spin it's pretty heavy nowadays <laughs> even if people don't pick up on it fuck it you're doing it your way that's right it's and a win-win situation you know, be yourself it is total win-win yeah. there's, there's some good currency in there yeah you know? agreed man good yeah. advice good luck to any of those kids that are taking the competition route because god damn it is you know i messaged um cam's dad the other day when he did a switchback 12 so I say congrats from me because that is like unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, at first our point, right? Like, right, well, there's another kid doing the switchback twelve. Like, and... I, I will say though, like, because I understand all facets of it. Like, or, or uh, no, I'm not understand. I I can get the whole comp kid thing. It's happening in every board sport, and from our generation, is probably a bit of like, you know, is, is that cool? But um. It is progression, and it mm. it's it is normal now. We're just washed up, mm. and um, but I mean, comps are always 
had progression back in yeah but now more than ever i think it's important to have those fundamentals Mm. because even if you branch off and hit the streets or back country or whatever i think it's pretty important that the kids learn how to snowboard right if they're going to go start doing doubles and things Mm. so having a coach is probably you know back when i was doing it we were learning rodeo fives Mm. it was fucking dicey you know probably landed on my head a dozen times before i got that one and that was a you know i thought that was sick Mm. but nowadays look at what the kids go and do like so i can understand having like a bit more of a solid pathway in terms of coaching and or hpc like um whole um you know facilities set up for these kids to learn it right i think zoe's a good example of that look at her fundamentals she might branch out and be a free rider or do whatever she wants she's she's a rock star Mm. but having that um yeah. comp kind of background will, is a great foundation you know, right Carlos and JJ as well like yep you can you well know, they all started off as comp kids mm, yeah and they're as good to watch riding between the tricks yep man taking a run with JJ like if I can keep up which I can't <laughs> but it's rad just watching him and Tim Herbert's another one too like just when they fucking do a turn you're like fuck yeah that's rad and then they go into the they take that turn into some psycho trick that's like, whoa. <laughs> Good shred, isn't know. it? Uh, is there any thank yous and shout-outs you'd like to give before we wrap this guy up? Um, yeah, yes, please. Um, but I don't know who. I I do. I'm not going to... They know who, right? Yeah, I'm not going to name... This has been a bit of a name drop fest, so sorry to anyone. Sorry, but... Um, has been cool retracing some of my steps mm. so thank you and um in terms of thank yous to people out there just to like anyone that's believed in me or given me a chance and like yeah those people don't even know how much that means to me like coming from a small town and not really even being like this talented kid in the scene or whatever and then getting pulled along by people like Guy Alti and Darren Solway and, you know, even Jake and Donna. Um, yeah, has been special and it's really made my life what it is today. And obviously a big part of that's my wife who <laughs> believes in me more than anyone and she is my best friend and, like, she's given me more than anyone in terms of, like, our sons. Mm. And, um, yeah, so without singling out too many people, just... Thank you to anyone that's believing me. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Well, we've got our stock enders. Uh, if you've listened, you know the story there, so I'll save you the spiel. Yeah, let's do this. Favourite rider? Oh, can I have, like, several? Yep. Um, there are no rules on this podcast. We oh, there's no favourite just... style. Well, no. I thought that you asked that once or twice. Oh well, let's do it. Let's let's. Add, I can add that one in. We'll do that after the bonus question. You gotta leave all this banter in. It's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right. Favorite rider. My all-time favorite's Jeremy Jones, mm-hmm. and that's because he was like the skater, snowboarder. Do you remember? But yeah, his skating stacked up. Yeah. Amongst skateboarders. Exactly. Yeah. But he was a proper skater, not mm-hmm. just like a kickflip in a car park in a video part, dude. Mm. yeah he's legit um yeah and he obviously was like changed snowboarding along with um that kind of crew jp and stuff but i just like jeremy jones because he was like yeah favorite mountain well 
I don't know, is it past, present, ever? I think um, O'Hara's. Um, Kajona's my local. And um, probably Baldface is the best place I've ever ridden. Yeah. But um, O'Hara's where I get my Zen time. I love the community there and the environment there and hanging with my family there. Brad. Yeah. Favourite board? Like, you know me, Tone. I ride just the cheap board in our range, true twin, short and soft. (laughs) Like, Mm. I'm not a board dude. Um, But I guess I'd land on, um, you know, maybe the Burton 7 series. Nice. That's what I started on. Yeah, Jason right. Brown's, um, the one with the skull that was a seven, and then the one mm. with the crow. Yeah. And because my first um, overseas trips were to um, BC, and that's why it's got, it's not a crow actually, it's a raven, mm. and because they all hang out at um, Seymour, and that's mm. where Jason Brown's from. So yeah. it's kind of cool to like close. That was before I was with Burton, but just like to Red. work all that out and have that graphic. And yes, yeah, so it sits good with me. Dog is a big fan of the <laughs> Seven Series. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah they were cool. Mm. Favorite video part? Well, it's JJ again, right? So it's uh, Shakedown. Oh, yep. Queens yeah. of the Stone Age. Yeah, Queens yep. of the Stone Red. Age. And because he um, has this, at the start, he does trick for trick about probably not quite 10 tricks but close he does snowboard skate yeah so he does like front i mean it makes me cringe calling something on a snowboard a front crook but i guess it's a front side press and then like front crook Mm. then you know front board front board and he rattles Mm. off like 10 tricks and all all pretty legit like Mm. especially the skating so yeah like he he in those early days when i was still working snowboarding out he he got me good yeah i liked that dude and luckily i met him and hung with him a couple times Mm. he's chill he's he's pretty cool favorite gig um first that comes to mind would be um maybe not necessarily my favorite band now but my favorite band of all time is block party Mm. because i've listened to them the most over the years and so a few years back, me and Minnie went and watched them at kind of like like this. Uh, I don't want to say private gig, but a smaller gig. Like a it was a like the night after their show, you had to get tickets to this gig in Sydney, and so we're right at the stage and saw the dude Keeley, you know, singing his songs, and it was it was insane. It was like a couple right. hundred people there. So there's a certain era that I swear every Snowboard video had one of their songs in them. Or yeah, and skate it. comps. Mm. It was just like block party was yeah and. But um, I should say, this is like, um, you know, such Kiwiana, but like, you'll never have a bad time at a shapeshifter gig. Whether you like that music or not, they're like the rock star band of electronic music. Mm. And Sam and Diggs and the lads, um, they freaking tear it to bits yeah, it's, it's <laughs> so, you, when you go like, oh my god like you can be like not into electronic music but you'll get to a shapeshifter gig you're like punching the ear yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh favorite city oh i wasn't prepared for that um my wife's from stockholm but we met in sydney hey. and sydney's sick because it's a city with all the city things, but you can surf there. <laughs> um, Vancouver's probably not far behind. It's kind of like a Sydney, 
mm. but you can snowboard there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I like, I like, I'm a big fan of Sydney. Sweet. Favourite track? Oh, for me, I like to jib. And I, I wonder, like, in the future, if I'll always be able to jib. I like hitting a bit of steel. Probably on a jump, it's like cab three mm-hmm. or back one. But um, no, probably cab three. But um, uh, maybe like... Uh, actually, the trick that I had wanted to do on a bigger rail this year um, was like any sort of boardside 270. Probably um, switch boardside 270 would be one of my favorite tricks. Sweet. I'm not trying to like sound tech there but it's a pretty easy trick because you just jump onto your regular nose Mm. and then look over your back shoulder and Mm. yeah i'm a big fan of hitting like baby park perspex like Mm. yeah that's right favorite style like other riders um you asked for it mate so you're getting it oh oh yeah yeah sorry (laughs) um there's so many i could Mm. go for hours Keegan Vlake is top of the list. Mm. Um, I wish that dude was still... I don't know. I guess he's still snowboarding. Then I like dudes that ride pretty bolts, like Jeremy Jones, obviously, again. But um, that whole kind of like Torstein style, pretty sick. Mm. Um, But man, I can relate. Like, I love getting stuck into a snowboard video that's like... that I'm not familiar with, like... I watch uh, Brian Fox and his whole crew and Life in General. It's one of my favorites. Anything Blake Paul does. Mm. And then when it comes to streets, that dude, Tommy Jesme. Like, yeah. I mean, we have so many sick riders on the Burton team. But I, I like to canvas mm. like a wide range of snowboarders. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, probably Keegan raises the surface. You know who's actually fucking rad though? Carlos Garcia Knight, man, I love his style, especially in um, tech, tech and style, eh? Well, you know, he's a homie, and then, it, you know, it's it's he stacks up like it's not like just because he's a friend. Like in the Ruckus movies, mm. I'm so proud of what he's doing there. Like, um, I can't wait for Ruckus three. Yeah, like. and the way they put them together, and the way his spot selection, and even. Shitty wears, right? Like, look good, feel good, ride good, whatever. Mm. Um, yeah, Carlos has an unreal style. Mm. Favorite board graphic? Didn't I already answer that with a seven? No. No, you can though. Oh, yeah. Um, well, base graphic, definitely the seven series. Mm. Um, man, like I said, I'm not real nostalgic. I mean, top sheet. I've got a stone hut board that Jake gave me. Um, It's a single channel as well, channel the whole way. And um, I guess maybe, I don't know if it's my favorite graphic, but it's like the board I'm most most nostalgic about probably because he only got 150 made and there's about 10 or so seconds that got turfed. Mm. And then of the remaining, he took like 70 Mm. Um, for friends and family, and the other, uh, what would it be? The other seventy got sold to, or given. Sorry, it was like a, sold or given to key retailers in the states. So they're really rare. Mm. Um, What's the story with the single channel there? Uh, we haven't repeated it. There's just some experimentation. Much. 
something. Maybe even anything. Um, yeah, I mean, he was like an avid board tester. Mm. This board was kind of short. It was like, it's like kind of like when we had to that nug tech. Mm. Um, he would write it in powder and groomers. Um, so maybe it was just so he could shift around faster. Right. Oh, cool. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I couldn't even answer that. Mm. Why don't we still do that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we did mm. on another board. I'm just trying to think. But there must be a reason why we don't. Maybe it's cost or maybe it like impacts the strength through the middle of the board. Like yeah. maybe it's flex. Yeah. Maybe a reason. Mm. Who has the best method? Yeah, I hear you asking people this. I, I'm not good with this. First thing I thought was Quinn and Robbins mm. because he's on your wall. Yeah. <laughs> and he's doing it really good. Yeah. Q's the man. Um, but then, like, in terms of big dogs, I just think it's hard to go past Danny Davis when he does it switch. Mm. And then I was thinking, I wish I knew the names. I don't. Probably, like, Sven Torgan or those... You know, like those dudes, um, but they do them in the middle of double corks, man. Damn. <laughs> you know, like people, it's so cool to see how that trick's been completely reinvented in so many different ways. Yeah. But uh, let's land on Danny. Oh, and final bonus question. What's the key to a good method? Oh, I can't do them good. I, I um, personally, I know there'll be some method... Um, gurus out there that won't like this answer but perfectly i like the ninja style when you grab behind your back foot and your front arms kind of wrapped around and you, you so your body's kind of tucked mm. and your board's really flat and like and yes yeah, so you're kind of ninja mm. see japanese dudes do that a lot we're yeah. used to it mount hut um i like that style actually even dare i say it, sean white used to do them like that it was pretty sick pretty ninja but um <clears throat> I reckon, like, seeing dudes that do them kind of big, I, I like it when they, like, you know Mikkel? He grabs mm. his board on the way up, and it's, it looks like he's just going to do a melon, mm. but then when he gets to the apex of the ear, mm. getting technical here, yeah. bangs out the back foot real hard and turns into a full method. Like, So he's just, like, holding it the whole time until he, fucker. till he gets up yeah. there and then... See me, I'd bang it out straight away because I'm only going to get like a foot of ear. Mm. But he, those guys are waiting. I love watching that <laughs> shit. Like watching, watching them do that, and you're like, man, if I could just do that for a day. Yeah, that does it. And know. you know, they continue to climb a bit more mm. than you expect. You're like, fuck, they're still on the climb. What's going on here? And yeah. the next minute, bow, back foot comes out. Yeah, those ones. What, would, what do we call that? Delayed gratification. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well that's uh that's us done then uh, thank you so much for your time jay and we'll see you hopefully at the skate park soon no uh, thank you for doing this and I, I know i um speak on the behalf of uh the new zealand snow community like it's pretty cool you just picked this up and ran with it and documenting some of these tales and i'm humbled to be invited like it i uh you know you know we we had chatted but um it's probably guy's one that got me across the line i, I, I thought oh maybe i can add to that in a small way oh shit before we go do we want to talk about new zealand snowboarding yeah sure i mean about 
four or five years ago, I started a handle called At New Zealand Snowboarding with Ben Parry and Nick Hine. And um, no real goal other than to shine the spotlight on New Zealand snowboarding because at the time, um, other media outlets had stopped Mm. and um, we were relying a lot on other regions to market snowboarding to us, Um, you know, be it Britain or wider. Um, And so I was like, you know what, we just need a grassroots thing. And... um, so yeah, we have New Ze- at New Zealand snowboarding. I think we got like seventeen thousand followers or something crazy. It's awesome. Like people get pretty engaged. Mm. I think I feel like and anyone listening out there, I hope you guys feel like you own that because you do. And over the years of like, you know, it's, it's cycled a little. Like me, Ben, and Nick have moved on to whatever else. You know, we're still involved, but. I've brought in new guys with new energy and mm. it's all for free, all for the love. And, you know, these guys mm. like Jack and Chris and especially Morgs, they mm. just absolutely pump their well, heart and soul into it. How cool is it that it's um, provided a platform for Snowboard Media to come back into print to a certain degree now? Morgs like, made a book. Yeah. I mean, that was all him. It was, his, it was his goal and he mm. did it. Dude, I gave him... I don't know if I'm supposed to say this on the podcast, but I gave him uh, just a, a small amount of money to help get the book printed. And he sold three times the amount he thought he was going to and paid me back the next day. Mm. And it was like, goal done. And it was so cool for me to see um, Morgs do something he's always wanted to do. Mm. Like a goal, you know, we talked about goals. Like that was that was rewarding for me. It, yeah. Like in the book's epic. Yeah. But... um. Even things like park battle and... See, that's one I enjoy. It's brought people and, together, man. Yeah. And it's, like, obviously, I work at Kadrona. I know the Kadrona park crew very well, so that's my world. Yeah. Even though I don't really ride park now. but So it was cool to see these park battles and then be like, Rad, they've got a rad scene going at Mount Hutt and Turo's got something going yeah. on. And, Oh, Rad, so his remarks. And it's, yeah. it's sort of remind, it was a nice reminder, like, oh shit, it's healthy. Yeah. You know, and. Yeah, as simple as an Insta handle. I just, mm. there was a minute there where we were, you know, swimming in the New Zealand snow scene and we needed something that we owned. And <clears throat> yeah, it seems to be going pretty good. Mm. I feel like most New Zealanders, most snowboarders in New Zealand probably tune in and. At some stage, I, I hope. Seems pretty popular. Mm. Um, and, you know, we only... It's just an aggregate site. So the book and park battle and stuff is, um, is uh, you know, we've, we've invented them. Mm. But um, most of the posts and stuff are really just our community. They tag us or they hashtag us or whatever. Mm. And we just regram them so that everyone can share in that, you know. Mm. It's not... There's a lot of Kadrona and the top guys, but it's not ex- it's not exclusive. It is inclusive. Like that's, we'll that's we'll put I, anyone on there. That's what I liked about your photo competition. Like yeah, it's cool that it's inclusive and it's not just the top dogs. Like yeah, like Joe Shredder has a chance of having his yeah. shit on there. Yeah, and I mean we cool. we could always be better, but it's a bunch of dudes with jobs. Yeah, like. Yeah, it's just something's better than nothing. Yeah, well, like this, this doesn't pay my wage. But man, this <laughs> is know? this is epic. Congrats, and you must be learning a lot. What's been your like, um, you know, what's the key 
takeaway? Like, what's like, you know, if you boil down all your interviews into like something think, small that you can just like, I think a line. Fascinating for me personally. I really like the the common theme of this is riding a snowboard, but I really enjoy hearing where that's taken people. Well, two, how people have gotten into it. Because no one story is really the same, it's similar, but also where it's taken people. Because, you know, like if you listen to these things, it's taken Mark Katzberg in a different place, it's taken Will Jackways, and it's taken Guy Alty, and it's taken Zoe Sinnott, or Glenn Leggett, all these people. And it's fascinating to hear those stories and where it's taken them and what it means to them. Because even. Even if you don't snowboard for 10 years, you're still a snowboarder and it still means something to you. Yeah, it's cool, you know? you're, uh, it's cool you're binding all that together because all those paths cross at one one point or another, it, I guess. Exactly, yeah. And regardless of whether you're in the industry or a pro or a recreational dude, it's all it's such a small community here that you're going to intersect at some point. Yeah, it's and, pretty special. And I, so, so personally for me... And, I hope that other people take that out of this. But really, it's for... If uh, people take other things out, that's great. I mean, shit, this all come about because... Me, personally, a couple of years ago, I was just getting frustrated. I felt like all the stories were being... Like, all the things that had happened are being lost. And You're definitely a steward of the... uh... (laughs) In, history of New Zealand snowboarding and there's I won't go into detail but there were things going on a couple of years ago and like how come no one's talking about Quentin and Ollie how come no one's talking about these people that you know meant something to all of us and the final straw for me was um was like fuck something has to happen but I don't know what was um Dylan Butt came and said hi in the workshop and you know we shot the shit and he went on his way and one of the rental guys like oh who was that punter you were speaking to I was like sorry what yeah sit down I'm going to tell you a story <laughs> and and then that was that sort of moment like oh my god like it's and you know this was about the same time where it was very obvious there wasn't magazines happening anymore which was where we'd get our information yeah and then it was actually Dion Newport um, the frisky judge that put the idea in my head well that, congrats on taking uh, the initiative I think it's good yeah, oh, thank you. It's uh, it's just great that people want to hear these stories. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, interviewing, like, I've been friends with Will for 20-something years. Mm-hmm. I sit him down for an interview here and realize how much I don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> Shit like that. And then, you know, like, I got to meet my childhood hero, Danny Meyer. Nice. And he was radder than I ever thought. Yeah. That's the one thing I am learning, is how much I use swearing as punctuation. it's relatable yeah and uh yeah i mean it's laughable that i'm doing this because i'm so technology not savvy (laughs) i still use tapes (laughs) we're lucky you got gina yeah 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 thanks mate thanks for having me thank you so much for coming on appreciate it see ya